As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone. This is uh, Shane Grove, the host of the uh, From the Shadows podcast. And uh, I'm the super producer, Jason's with me. Say hey, Jason. Hey, how you doing, everybody? Greetings, everyone. And um, we have our very good friend, uh, Amy Boo, with us. Say Hi, hey, everybody. Hi. Hey. So if, you, um, if you're wondering why you're, you're finding this, uh, this episode in your feed on a Sunday night, and it's not the usual uh, uh, days that we we put out episodes. It's, for lack of a better term, we lost a good friend. And we wanted to kind of pay tribute to to our friend. And we thought the best way to do it would be to, number one, get the episode that that he came on and and shared some of his his great uh, experiences with us. But then the, the three of us could share some uh, some of our favorite memories about about uh, David Hensley. And uh, so, for those of you who are longtime listeners of the show, David Hensley uh, was the host of a show called The Paranormal Road. Um, and it, actually, David was probably one of the first um, podcasters that. We kind of made friends with Jason, wouldn't you say? I yeah, mean, I would definitely would say that. I mean, uh, we have a lot to thank him for. Yeah, we cer- we certainly do. And um, he was a great dude. Uh, Randy, uh, his his partner on the show, Paranormal Road, they were just great guys. They, they David had a crazy interesting story, which you guys will hear if mm-hmm. you stick around and listen to the episode. Um and it, it, he just was so generous with kind of 
even though we were kind of like the new kids on the block and in, in, in competition to them, you know, he had me on the show. He had the judge on the, sh- on his show. Uh, he came on our show. He, he shared stuff about podcasting, um, he with invited us, us that, over to his campground. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I, man, Jason, I was getting to that, man. You're just jumping <laughs> ahead. And, uh, <laughs> but, but he was, he was so gracious with, Given given me and Jason some like inside tips on podcasting, okay, which isn't easy. People weren't just handing out information on how to how to do this, and you know, and and to kind of be, you know, go down that uh, road of being somewhat successful, and uh, yeah, and to top it off, then then which he reluctantly started having some some Bigfoot experiences up in their campground <laughs> in Overland, Ohio. And I do mean Amy's chuckling because he was very reluctant to admit <laughs> that there there were Bigfoot in the woods outside their campground. And so he invited all of us up there to kind of, you know, do a, do a little investigation. And that's where we got to meet Amy. And, um, you know, Amy, do you want to do you want to jump in and say some, you know, some some of your thoughts about David and, and oh uh, man, I am still in shock. I really am. I just found out today, like you, and I just can't believe it. He he was just a person that was so full of life. The word that you used in describing him as generous is the perfect word because it wasn't just like, you know, if you went out to their campsite, you know, they were generous with their food and, you know, just (laughs) what they would provide you with and everything, but just generous, like you're saying, helping you with your podcast, Mm -hmm. just wanting all of his friends to have fun, all of his friends to succeed in whatever they were doing, you know, and um, just one of the most, positive people I've ever met and I cannot grasp the concept that he's gone. I just, I don't know what to do with that information quite yet, but just he, he, I don't know. Like we, we talked last month. I went out there to see him and Randy and the circumstances of it were just like looking back now. I'm so glad that I went because we had been trying to get together for a really long time and I wasn't able to go. And that weekend he was like, I really want you to come. I'm not going to give up on this idea. And I, and um, Lester wasn't able to come. So I was just, I rearranged some things and I'm like, I'm going, I miss my friends. I'm going to make sure this happens. So I get there and we just, he and I stayed up for most of the night. I don't remember what time we went to bed, but everybody else had gone to bed talking and talking about everything and looking back at it, not knowing that this was going to happen. I felt like I was sitting at the feet of somebody who was just teaching me so much because he was telling me about his entire life, about his family, about his job at Cedar Point, about what he would tell his employees about, you know, going after their dreams and being the best you could be. And I just remember after that weekend telling my mom that it was like he had just, you know, imparted all of his wisdom to me. And, and 
it was, I, I don't know, like just, um, looking back that that was the last time that I got to sit with him. I'm so very, very grateful for that. I'm so grateful that that happened and I really feel like it was meant to happen. Um, I, I just, I don't know what else to say guys. I just miss him so much. He was the kind of person and the kind of friend where I didn't get to see him or Randy. He was just as fabulous, you know, enough. But when you did see them and when you saw Dave, like it was like, your kindred spirits. I don't know how yeah. else to put it's, it. It's like you never to... left. It's like you've seen them right. every day throughout the day. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There is no readjustment period. They just take you in like family. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I just have so many good memories of Dave, but I just can't believe their memory, you know, that that's what this is right now. We've lost yeah. a gem. That's for sure. Yeah, and I know. Yeah, I mean, Jason, you feel you feel the same. I mean, because yes. he, like you said, he he would reach out to to both of us every now and then, and 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 we try. You know, mm-hmm. we try to keep in touch with mm-hmm. with people, and you know, he had wanted us to come back out to the campground. Yeah, but I, I really think he was trying to use us as bait to catch big to catch Bigfoot. Yeah. But he was always he always like uh, you know. One of the last texts I have from him is him telling me what a good job I did in American Werewolves. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, dude. That was terrible. Like, No, you did. Being, it was such a just, good job. <laughs> you're just being nice. But I'm just saying that's, that's the cool thing is, is he didn't have to reach out and say that. You know, he um, – but it, he just took the time out of his out of his day because he thought about me and just wanted to yes. say something. He was an encourager. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember yeah. when he and Randy asked me to do the boo report. You know, first I I was interviewed by them, and then they had this little boo report for me, and they made this music <laughs> and stuff. I was so excited, and the fact like they thought I was worthy of doing that, you know, and just encouraged me and. Um, always wanted to hear what I was up to always like he was the type of person that always made it about you, mm-hmm. you know, and like what, how excited he was for you. Um, I, I wish like everybody listening to this could have known him, you know, he was just, uh, I don't know, just like a shining example of a human being. Yes, exactly. That is a great depiction. <laughs> Well, and I, and I do think you said, you know, I, I think when we do these shows, I think um, I think you could anybody that doesn't know David could go back and listen to, you know, all the episodes of the Paranormal Road and you would come away feeling like you knew. Yes. Knew him, I hope everybody you know? does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I and that's why we do. It's why we do this stuff. We get to, you know, we get to talk about some really cool stuff, but people that listen, get to know us. Um, and, um, we you, you know, interact with I, some great people. That's, that's yeah. very important. Yeah. I mean, I, I tell you what, I feel so blessed. I, ble- I feel super blessed to have got to know Dave and Randy, yeah. uh, although I don't know Randy nearly as, as well, but I mean, I feel blessed to, have, but I feel blessed to, you know, like we mentioned, we know Amy because, yeah. 
because of of him yep. and, right um, getting together and yeah. looking for bigfoot that's right looking for bigfoot yeah i mean we got a good really good story out of it too and uh <laughs> and uh but i mean it's um i don't know it's i guess you can look at it as life and that's what's going to happen and you know and i know you know jason we've talked we've lost some other guests that we've had on the show that yeah really were were special to us as and um but this really you know i knew i knew david better than i knew those those guests you yeah. know not minimizing what happened but it's just it's so it is kind of a stunning it's personal um, yeah it's yeah. really hard yeah, yeah. so so um well, I mean, I, I guess, I guess, like we were talking before, knowing Dave's sense of humor and knowing how he's probably just on the other side in the spirit world, he's waiting for just the right time to uh, jump out and say, "Ah, hey, guy, you know, right? Hey guys, he's gonna, right? He's gonna I, us- I believe it. Like, if anybody in my life would be able to, I feel like it would be him." <laughs> Yeah, I can see him saying, Jason, I have those answers that you were wanting. (laughs) Uh, Like I said before, I hope, David, if you're listening, don't do it while I'm in the shower. (laughs) I'm still not not awake at that point in the morning. Just just wait, you know. Just uh, and don't come at me. Don't come to me as a dog on the mail route because that won't be. <laughs> that won't be good. He will yeah. if he can. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, but so I I hope everybody enjoys this episode and and Amy thanks for you know thanks for coming on and, and thank you thank thoughts. you for yeah. allowing me to yeah thank yes. you for and, coming on and saying some kind words about all of our good friend David. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Thanks. So, well, everybody, enjoy the episode. Take care. Welcome, everyone, to the From the Shadows podcast. I'm your host, Shane Grove, and this morning I'm joined by the super producer, Jason. Hey, greetings, everyone. Uh, We have a really, really cool episode today. Um, We have David Hensley, the host of probably one of the preeminent paranormal podcast called paranormal road david how you doing today i'm doing great how are you bud ah just enjoying some sunshine while i practice my social distancing skills (laughs) (laughs) and hence we have phone interviews (laughs) yes phone interviews um and as a just so everybody everybody kind of we got not only david but we have his daughter megan Say hi, Megan. Good morning. The rest, the rest of the Partridge family. Okay, uh, we have a son, <laughs> son Charles. Hey, everybody. And his son Adam. Howdy, folks. <laughs> now, the, now our listeners might be wondering, man, what the heck do they got all these all these people on for? Well, David, I will let you give us a little background about uh, your podcast, and then, you know. Let everybody know why you and your children are uh, with us this morning. Because I, I think everybody's going to enjoy this little uh, story that you guys get to tell us. Sure. Well, I, I think it's important to, to go back a little bit in time. But uh, when I was a young man in my you know late teens, early 20s, I really didn't have time for 
anything paranormal, didn't really believe much in it. I was too busy uh, working on a career path. And I ended up being a corporate executive uh, with Cedar Point and for many years worked there. But going back to my 20s, I had a very horrific experience, and um, it stuck with me for many years. Uh, and uh, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I was not about to talk about. I couldn't have people, my bosses or anyone else, question my judgment in a position of leadership. And I kind of just buried it in the back of my mind. I convinced myself that it was nothing more than a vivid nightmare. And again, we're talking pre-internet days. Um, it happened, uh, I know the uh, day and time, it happened on April 15th, about 3.30 in the morning in 1983. It's uh, burned in my memory forever. But uh, again, years later, everything's going along, and I get this call from Megan, my, my uh, oldest child, daughter. She's at Wright State. And she is absolutely hysterical. And once I got her calmed down, she starts telling me something that happened. And literally, every hair on my arm stood up. And I was momentarily in shock, uh, which Megan will tell you about her experience at some point. But uh, that was the absolute positive evidence I needed, um, that this was not all a dream. Um, what happened to me happened to my daughter. And subsequently, uh, it actually happened to pretty much all of my children. And that experience, I think when you have an experience such as, <laughs> like we did, um, and many people, you have an option. You can continue to bury your head, pretend it doesn't, it didn't happen, um, and move on and bury it. Uh, or you can choose to understand try to get as much knowledge and study it so it no longer has power or control of you. And that's basically the path I took with my kids. And we all ended up in the paranormal field, doing paranormal research, and ultimately founding or starting Paranormal Road, which is a subject, a broad-range subject, to cover everything from cryptids to hauntings to UFOs to demonic uh, angels, uh, near-death experiences, we wanted people to have a forum and a place that uh, they can come to and listen, maybe find out something that may have happened to them, that they weren't dreaming, things are real. Yeah, as a, a, me, a, let me, as a matter of fact, for our listeners, you guys just had the judge on probably, what, two or three correct. episodes ago? And, yeah. Yep. And, and I was reminded of that because you said of all, uh, something very traumatic that happened in your teens and early 20s which would be, since the judge isn't here, I'm going to make fun of him, his college years, which were very traumatic yeah. for him. <laughs> for him. In more ways than one. Exactly. exactly. So, but he's not here to defend himself or corroborate any of that uh, supposed evidence. <laughs> so, so this experience, I know the story. Jason does not know the story. He, I've been okay. priming him. You know, he's kind of like, you know, caged animal ready to pounce on this story i've been chomping at the bit for this yes and i so so let's dive into what because sure. because the fact that you had something happen and then your oh your kids right. this is fantastic yeah. so well for well, us that are well, listening yeah. for us that are listening 
Yeah, I was going to say for you, for you to listen to maybe, but uh, um, <laughs> so for me, uh, it started, uh, like I said, uh, I was working at that time seasonally uh, for Cedar Point in the Park, and uh, there was only a handful of people there, and it was kind of one of those cooler days, rainy, and uh, we got out early on that Thursday, and I said, well, I'm just going to go home instead of staying in the dorms. Uh, I didn't feel like being alone and crappy, and, and you know, there was nobody there from college to party with, so what's the sense of staying there? So I drove home, and uh, usual night, normal, everything's normal, went to bed and said goodnight to my parents, and off to bed I went. Now, at that time, you have to understand, too, this is kind of embarrassing to admit, but there was a time period where I was um, terrified of thunderstorms. Uh, it's just it's something from a childhood, uh, just terrified. It would make me sick to my stomach, even if, if there was a storm alert on TV, you know, it was kind of a joke. You could find uh, Dave hiding in the basement in the corner with his helmet on and his bottle of water. Uh, and I used to go around propping open all the doors in my house and the windows because it was a belief in the 60s that if you did that, the vacuum wouldn't blow up your house. So, yeah, I was terrified of swarms. And, uh, what, kind of helmet, what kind of helmet did you have on? <laughs> well, actually, it was, it, it was a toy German helmet that Schultz wore and, you know, like short, uh, short, short, I know, Schultz, you know. I know nothing. Yes. I know nothing. Yeah, exactly. Hogan. Exactly. I know nothing. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, so, I, I go to bed. I wake up uh, probably about three, well, maybe a little after in the morning, um, and I'm hearing a distant thunderstorm. And so I'm a little nervous, not too bad, but I'm, I lay there awake. You know, again, kind of like the movie Poltergeist, kind of weird, because like that kid, I was counting down the seconds of the thunder. And it became really intense and over about a period of 15 minutes. And at that point, I was, again, nervous. I was like, uh, Mom should be up to, to, to go to work shortly, so I'm going to go out and make a pot of coffee and wait for it. So I sat up in bed, and there was a lightning strike outside my room really like it it hit the tree or even the house it was so loud and i kind of jumped and uh, you know i'm again sitting on the side of my bed but it startled me and i kind of jerked but i looked at the window and there was a secondary flash of lightning and through the curtains there was a silhouette of a man wearing a large uh, like a fedora style hat a brimmed hat that's all i could tell but it was uh, lit up like a backdrop so i like <gasps> And I, I gasp and I turn in my bed. I just pivot my body to go get my stepdad and mom. And as I did that, at the foot of my bed was this thing uh, or man. It uh, filled about every inch of the ceiling. Uh, up to the ceiling was about seven foot tall ceiling. It was huge. He was draped in a cloak, um, kind of like Jack the Ripper. It had a high collar, um, pure black face perfectly black i mean blacker than black it was almost as if it absorbed any light and um it, he was wearing it was wearing a fedora style hat like a gangster hat or like jack the ripper and i couldn't move I, I, the fear was so strong i literally couldn't move my heart started banging like it was going to burst out of my chest this thing then turns, and it was I could still see it in my mind, like a mechanical robot. It was creepy as hell. It turns sideways and then glides over the, past the foot of my bed, and then mechanically, like, like, it's weird, but it turned again 
and glided up to me, and I can't move. My heart is banging. It then leans in, and it's inches away from my face. And I really, at that point, thought my heart was going to literally explode in my chest cavities. It took its hand and put it on my chest, and he pushed me down into the bed and then physically rolled me onto my side away from him. And it leaned into my neck, and I could feel the fabric, its hat, its collar, whatever it was, on my neck and shoulder. And at that point, whether it spoke to me telepathically or whether it spoke to me in words, I don't know. But it was a deep, terrifying voice, and it more or less, and if I can imitate it, I'm not very well, very well but it was like, relax, you shall not be armed. And that's all I remember. About 45 minutes later, I wake up, and I'm like, <gasps> and I gasp for air, and I jump up, and I run, and I hit the light in the room, and I'm looking around. Uh, then I go outside uh, into the kitchen. My mom's already up, and I don't say anything. Kind of like the judge didn't say anything to his mom or anything. It's one of those things you're, you're processing, and, again, terror. I didn't think she would believe me. I, I don't know what was going through my mind, but they didn't say anything. And... and <laughs> As I find out later, Megan did the same thing to me. I, she actually had an experience before college but didn't tell me. But then um, when my mother said, did you hear that lightning strike? I thought for sure it hit the house. That was, I knew I was not dreaming. Absolutely, positively knew. And that's my story. Um, and if it happens today, I know if I get a return visit, I will die. Um, there's no doubt in my mind because at my age, there's no way my heart could handle something like that. But um, that actually became our first episode on Paranormal Road, um, and all the kids do tell their stories. Um, and it's something because up until the age of the Internet, I had no clue that this was real. There was one thing. Um, that was B.C. years before children. And then comes... Uh, the AC years after children. There's <laughs> after, a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's Megan. a lot of stuff for all of us that happened before children. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Nothing against you guys. Nothing against you guys. Megan was just a baby. And we're watching TV. Not Megan, yeah, not Megan, but uh, my uh, ex-wife at the time, Teresa. We're watching TV, and I yell for her to come in because we're watching the um, Twilight Zone, and. They actually have an episode there called The Shadow Man, and I was just floored because in that episode, and they recreate you know, the, the entity, it is exactly what I saw and experienced that night. And I, for years later, was convinced that this producer must have had a personal experience because I could not believe the striking identical, um, how they portrayed it. But again, I kept it in the back of my mind as, okay, it was freaky, it was horrible, and I kept telling myself just to, to move on that it was a uh, lucid dream. Uh, I knew it wasn't, but I kind of pushed it in the back of my mind. And that's my story, and it all came to a crashing reality when I got that telephone call from Megan at Wright State that night. So, so Megan, so, so you had never, just so before we go on with Megan, so you had never talked about this with the kids at all? Like they didn't have no. a clue, and no. and you'd never talked with your your mom or your stepdad at all. Nope. They they didn't know anything. I, I never, nope, never told anybody in the family. Uh, I don't even 
Honestly, I, I only think I told Teresa because of what I saw in that Twilight Zone episode. That's when I had to share with her what happened to me. Now, did you? Uh, and as a, as the kids would tell you, um, their mother, she doesn't repeat stuff. She doesn't like talking about paranormal. She doesn't want to even acknowledge existence. Uh, so it, it certainly is some, something. She's a little she bit more open-minded now, let's be fair. Now she, she is. <laughs> now, so your mom when yeah. did not say anything even after she went in and had to change her sheets? Because uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming... You may I mean, listen. You can say whatever you want, but however, that voice that you just said was. Right. I, right. I mean, that's. I mean, Jason's beard got straight. Like, <laughs> just went, I mean that. Okay, so how? Before we go on, how did you even like the next time there was a thunderstorm? Besides the mm-hmm. the part that you were always terrified of them, how did that work? You know. Uh thunderstorms in the day I was fine uh, in the daytime but at night it, it every single time there was a storm at night I literally just wouldn't go to bed I'd stay up I'd watch TV I would pace I would not go to bed and even after that it took months before I could go to sleep without a light on oh, I wouldn't um, blame you I wouldn't blame you at all yeah, yeah well the, yeah, cra- it, the crazy uh, the crazy thing is is David told me this story about a week and a half ago, the night after we had this huge thunderstorm that rolled through the area and lightning, and I said, thank God I was a day late on this one because, because woo, I would have been a little bit, uh, I don't know. Yeah, you don't need that in your mind when we had that bad storm. No, no, that would have been bad. So, 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 Megan, go ahead and let's go, I mean, let's scare everybody else another to another level. Oh, okay. I'll do my best. Um, the first time that I saw that hat man, I was probably 13, 14, um, in my early teens. It was in the house that I grew up in. Um, and I, it doesn't stand out as much in my memory, I don't think, because that particular time I managed to convince myself it was just a really bad dream. Um, and, you know, just to reiterate my, what my dad said, we never would have talked about this at all because the sound of the X-Files theme song would have had me diving into the bed. That's how scared of, you know, everything I was. So um, it wasn't until I got to college and I was in my dorm room. It was my freshman year. And I remember it was in my, where my roommate, her boyfriend, lived on the floor above us. Every floor was an alternating gender floor. So she would sit with her boyfriend sometimes upstairs and I would get the dorm room to myself. And it was one of those nights that I woke up, kind of jumped awake. I wasn't really sure what woke me up. I, I could tell something just didn't quite feel right. Um, it, it, I kind of liken it to when you're waiting for a sound to happen, it's not happening, and then you start panicking because you're not hearing the sound that you should be hearing. And I rolled over and realized that in the corner of the room, it was so much darker than the rest of the room. And this is, you know, mind you, a 10 by 12 foot room. It's not that big. Um, maybe even a little smaller than that. So I should be able to see pretty much the entire environment, but it was so dark. You can't see through that kind of black. And by the time I realized that my eyes were not adjusting, I also realized that I'm looking at a definite form, a definite shape of a very tall individual with a wide-brimmed hat, and the way it differs from what my dad saw or what some people's reports are is this thing had glowing red eyes. 
And I mean, very distinct. You couldn't see anything else in the face. You could see the, the white burn chat. You could see a long trench coat or cloak, and you could see these bright red eyes. And that sort of fear when you realize what you're looking at is not something that you can even put into words. I mean, your blood runs cold. You can't catch your breath, especially knowing that I am in a heavy, locked room with what I thought was an unknown person, that the door is on the other side of that person. There's nowhere even for me to go at this point. Yeah, because you don't, um, you think it's, you got to think it's, it's somebody it's, actually flesh and blood there, right? I mean, you're not expecting... Right, that's your, that's your first reaction is, oh my God, I, you know, my room's been invaded, or I'm about to become on the next episode of Cold Case Files, you know, like, that's the thing that's running through your head. Oh boy. Until you realize that people don't have glowing eyes, and people aren't that tall. Or there's no way that this is a normal person. And once you realize that you're looking at something that's not a flesh and blood person, you don't know how to fight it. You don't know how to ward it off. You don't even know what to do to make yourself less of an object to them. So I just kind of sat there and stared at it and tried to tell myself, I'm sleeping, right? I'm sleeping? No, I'm not sleeping. I'm not sleeping. And that's when I started realizing and remembering the first time I saw him in the house I grew up in that this thing is real and it's back. And I remember thinking, it's back. It's back. What do I do? It's back. The only thing I could think of to do, and it took every ounce of strength I had just to move. I don't know if it's got some sort of a paralyzing effect or if that's total fear. But it is so hard to physically move of your own volition when you're looking at this thing. And I remember forcing myself to roll over and face the wall, and I squeezed my eyes shut, and I just started saying prayers. Like, I, I, I remember saying the Lord's Prayer. I remember trying to say the Hail Mary, and that's all I could do. And after a few minutes, the panic started to subside. I realized it was a little easier to move. It was a little easier to breathe. And for a while, I just lay there, and I said a few more prayers for good measure. I managed to sit up and roll over and look, and the thing was gone. But it was so terrifying. It never moved toward me like my dad said it did to him. It never advanced toward me. It never made any motion to take the encounter to another level. It was just sitting there watching. But I knew it saw me. And the next morning, I called my dad. I think I was still stuttering us at that point. Because, you know, you just don't go back to sleep after something like that. Um, no, no, you don't. And I could tell when I started talking to him that he went, <laughs> he really don't. Um, and I could tell when I started telling my dad this story, he was kind of taken aback. Uh, he also hold, started... One second, Megan. Yeah. Megan, one second, just to clarify. Mm-hmm. Just to clarify, it wasn't the next morning. You actually called me that evening because I remember running and grabbing my keys. We did talk about the next morning, but you called me that evening. You ran downstairs to the lobby, and I remember thinking, oh, my God, you were physically assaulted because you couldn't tell me. It took you forever to get it out what happened, Um, and you were in hysterics. We did talk the next morning, but you did initially call me right after that. Well, that actually kind of actually just illustrates how your body doesn't work because I don't remember talking to you that night at all. I don't remember going down to the wow. lobby. I remember talking to you about it the next day and still being shaky, yeah. but I, I thought, you know, for sure that I didn't talk to you the next day. I, I remember being, you know, scared, too scared to sleep. Uh-huh. Well, tra- I don't remember calling you that night. So that just kind tra- of shows you what that reaction does to you. Trust, trust me, Megan, as, as, uh, um, as having all girls as a father... 
you remember exactly what it is your daughters uh you know when it was and when especially when it's something that is that terrible you know that happens to them you you that stuff is burned in your memory oh i'm sure (laughs) um i i believe that i had a daughter too she's only eight months old at this point but i'm sure i'll get to that point at some point um i remember i saw it once more when i lived in virginia beach which was about five years after the college encounter. I just got married. I was living in Virginia Beach with my new husband who was in the military. And I remember seeing it in the corner of my bedroom there. Um, he will still tell you about the time that I woke him up yelling at him, who's in the corner, who's that man in the corner? And he couldn't see it. He had no idea what I was talking about. But I remember staring right at it and, and being so frustrated because I wanted him to get up and do something about it, and he couldn't even see it. No idea what I was talking about. Um, and the last time I saw it, I was back at home, the house I grew up in, where I saw it first, but this one was a little different. I was, there's four of us kids that come home, you know, randomly, periodically, and sometimes the bedrooms get full, so at this particular time, I was sleeping in a family room that we had downstairs. It was kind of a, a den with TV and, and movies and things like that, and there was a couch down there that I was using. And I remember waking up, and this time, instead of being in the corner, it was at the foot of my bed, and it was so tall that it had to kind of bend its head down a little bit to fit underneath the ceiling. But instead of a wide brimmed hat, this time it had a hooded cloak, like a pointed hooded cloak on. The eyes were not red, they were yellow. And this thing was doing this weird side-to-side sort of snake-like motion, like it was just weaving in place. Oh, my goodness. And it started progressing with each weave. It took one step closer to the head of my bed, and I was petrified. I mean, I think that, even to this day, is the most terrifying of all the encounters that I've had with it. I don't know if it's something different. I don't know if it just changes half on a certain day or what, but I wasn't having it. Um, My sister's bedroom door was actually right behind my head, more or less. She had a downstairs suite bedroom. And they managed to reach behind me and bang on the door. She opened it up and said, Megan, are you okay? Something feels really weird. And at that, the minute she opened the door, this thing was gone. She goes, it's just weird. Before you started banging, she goes, I just woke up and I didn't feel like something was right. I knew something was here, but I couldn't tell where. And that was thankfully the last time I saw it. It has not been back, although I do sleep with a light on. I noticed that light does, does have some sort of a warding off effect to it whether it's a cell phone or nightlight or TV or what, um, I do have a cell phone that I sleep with because it's just not even worth taking the risk of waking up to it ever, in my opinion. That is fascinating. Megan, um... That is all the encounters I've had. Oh, geez, that's it? Uh, you're not looking oh. for another... You're not looking for another... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you're Megan... You're not looking for number five. Well, <laughs> Megan, I was, I was wanting to ask you, uh, have you... I know having these type of tragic encounters and uh have you ever thought about like maybe what would bring them on i mean was there anything that you may have been doing earlier that day or anything that was similar that uh or any atmospheric condition something that might invoke these these type of encounters you know what in my experience yes i can't speak for everybody but i noticed 
um, actually during the phone call with my dad once we were talking about these things. And he said something that made me realize that every time I saw this thing, I was really in an emotionally bad place regarding a relationship in my life. Um, the first time I saw it, I had just ended a relationship with my first boyfriend, which, you know, at 14, 15 years old is life-ending for a teen girl. Um, the second time I saw it, I was in Dayton. Um, I was having a bad dating experience there. Um, when I moved to Virginia with my new husband, I was going through a lot of um, separation anxiety from my family, and I was really kind of feeling guilty about moving, and it caused a lot of strain between him and I at that time. Um, and then when I was home visiting, he and I had just gotten into a major, major argument about me coming to visit. So I, I do feel like being in a very raw emotional state or having some sort of big um, emotional upheaval was a trigger for me, but I don't know if that's true for everybody. Hmm. Well, as a father, I think the underlying issue is it's all about guys. So when, <laughs> so when we tell you to stay away from guys... Uh, until, and I'm sure your husband's a wonderful man, but, um, you know, there's the reason dads know this stuff, you know, but, uh, and we, and, and Megan, I, I don't know how comfortable you feel answering this question, but your dad and I kind of discussed this. Um, do you have concerns then? Because it's, you guys have all had an experience with this. Do you have any, have any concerns about your own child? Um, you know, I didn't until just last week. I have a almost four-year-old son and an eight-month-old daughter, and my son is very, um, he, he's very imaginative, but he's also very honest, depending on what you're talking about. And you can tell the difference in his speech if he's trying to make up a story to tell you something cool or if he's asking questions because he doesn't understand something. And he came downstairs, um, his bedroom's upstairs, and he has one of those little, um, like TP canvas tents that's really popular with toddlers. And he had one of those in the corner of his room. And he came downstairs the other day when I was watching TV, and he, he had this dumbfounded look on his face. He goes, Mom? And I said, what's up, boy? And he says, you know, when I woke up today, um, I, I woke up and I looked, and he goes, there's someone in my tent watching me. And I said, what do you mean there's someone in your tent watching me? He goes, there's someone in my tent watching me. And I said, could you see what they look like? He goes, well... I could see their eyes, but just their eyes. And I said, okay, did you try and talk to it? He goes, yeah, I tried to say hi, but then they just disappeared. And I said, did it scare you? And he thought for a minute. He looks very confused and goes, I don't know, I guess so. It was just a very odd thing for him to say because, you know, he has, you know, sometimes come up with really weird stories to tell me, but they're always a clear work of fiction. There's never anything about them that makes you think maybe he's based it in reality. And he did not look like he was looking for um, details to add into this as a story maker. He was telling me what he saw. Did he, did he? So, this, I mean, I guess now I'm a little concerned, but. Well, did that thing, ha did he mention if that I had red eyes? Now maybe I'm a little bit. He didn't tell me what color they were. Um, it's not that he doesn't know his colors, but I don't know if he maybe just didn't pay attention or if, for whatever reason, he wouldn't tell me what color they were. He just said that's all he could see. So I'm, I'm not real sure about that. Wow. Yeah, that's fascinating. 
Well, it's so, fascinating to you, Jason. I mean, yeah, it does not sound like it's to, uh, to the victims there. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, I'm enthralled by this stuff. Uh, I have a question. Uh, it's, well, we, I don't, we can send them your way next time we see them. No, I mean, no, no, that's okay. Hey, that's listen, that. I think it's even better. Here's a, here, let's do a little field research. Have yeah. Jason come and spend the night in the tent in the corner. <laughs> that, to me, it was probably Oh, there's another one. Yeah. I'm bringing Jerry with me. He'll tackle Oh, it. Jesus. <laughs> but, uh, yes, uh, it's it's amazing. Uh, it's like this thing. Uh, do you realize uh, with the different encounters that you've had, Megan, um, do you think it's the same uh, individual being, or do you think it's a different one? Because you mentioned how you notice, like, the shape of the hat is different uh, on one encounter versus uh, another um, do you think it's like maybe a different uh, being of the same race, or do you think this is the same entity that's following your family? Uh, in my experience, my gut instinct is that it's different entities of the same species or the same race or however you want to classify it. I think right. that there are different ones of them, and they may have different intentions, which is why perhaps bad experience it tried to be comforting in a terrifying way, but it spoke words of comfort versus every time I've seen it, it's been, it felt nothing but threatening. Right. Um, the different shapes, the different color eyes, to me that just lends credit to the theory that there are a, a you know, a race of interdimensionally traveling things that may have different intentions based on which one of them visits you. And perhaps they visit you for different reasons. You know, maybe some of them are drawn to emotional upset. Maybe some of them are drawn to um, skill Fear. levels of the individual or to just be <laughs> random chance. Fear, yeah. Right. Random fear. Well, well, David, you, I mean, you just were going to bed sleeping. You weren't having any, like... Uh, no, right? I had, yeah, that was a... Uh, highlight of my life i mean i was on cloud nine as far as at that point in my life i had no emotional trauma but um i did wake up at 3 a.m and for 15 minutes i laid in bed terrified of the storm because it Ah. sounded traumatic so uh the question and what we kind of kicked around is is this thing drawn to emotions such as fear or such as strife but when you hear from my sons None of that applies to them. Hmm. And the the thing that is interesting, as Megan brought up, I am the only one um, of, of our family that it spoke to. And interestingly, I have yet to find, and there's hundreds, hundreds of stories of, of the hat man on the Internet. I have yet to find one where it spoke to to anybody. So uh, for whatever reason, I'm unique, and I don't know why, and I don't like that. Well, I, I don't got, like well, having the damn experience. I've got a question for you then. How many of those stories that you read do you recall happening during a severe thunder and lightning storm? I think I've seen maybe three of them where that occurred. So, okay. Where they specifically mentioned there was a storm that night. So. Okay, so so you, and and we'll get into this later, but you, you are in the paranormal field. And I uh-huh. think one of the one of the uh, prevailing ideas is is that uh, for an entity or whatever to present itself, 
it sucks electricity or energy from something else. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. So could it be that the perfect, and not to, this is a pun, perfect storm, so perfect to speak, storm. was that a severe lightning? I mean, imagine the energy that was in the air from the lightning and the thunder and, and all that. Maybe right. that just gave it enough energy to push it up to the level where it could actually speak to you. I mean, I don't and that's know. that's highly possible because we know in, in um, our paranormal research um, when, and just documenting our clients' experience as far as apparitions and things and the haunted things of their home, things tend to peak in the wintertime when it's like five below out and extremely dry. And the thought and theory behind that is, you know, how you go to touch a door handle and you get shocked. Static. Yes. So yes. static, yeah, static fr- friction can actually you know, increase a haunting activity. So you may be on to something and there may be something there that is related to conditions at, as, uh, atmos- atmospheric. Uh, I can't, at- yeah, thank atmospheric. You. I can't yeah. <laughs> thank you, yes. Um, that, um, you know, are there that create the ability for this thing to manifest it. And maybe part of that also is the emotional state. It's hard to say because we just don't know enough about it. Like the perfect recipe of of static and whatever electric atmospheric conditions than yeah you know, fear right. of right when it's dry you got uh, an excess amount of uh, negative electrons that are trying to ground themselves therefore when you touch the doorknob or whatever you get shocked because they're trying right. to they ground themselves and so yeah that's an excess of uh, energy and uh, and having a, a storm there I've heard that there is residual energy in the area of a lightning strike anyway right. and we do know like right. um within in the case of joplin we do know uh, that after a f5 or a tornado towns that have been hit hard by tornadoes paranormal reports and uh, increased dramatically for years after that tornado strikes yes uh, so again is that an energy release buildup that causes this it's one of those things we just don't know but when you have enough patterns you can come up with some reasonable uh theories as to why this why it happens right and the emotional uh output would be much greater in an area after any type of tragedy like a storm or a hurricane or something yeah i think that holds some credence i really do yep yep so 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 charles are you going to go next Oh uh, yeah. Wait, listen. If you're if you're busy doing something and aren't prepared, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> it's like man, you're reading the paper, making some breakfast. What are you, what are you doing? It's <laughs> so so Charles, so Charles, yeah, your uh, story is really interesting because of where it took place. So to me, at least. Um, so mm-hmm. so share with everybody your experience with with this rascal, the hat man. Yeah. Um, so my experience happened about three years ago. It was 2017, and I was currently stationed in uh, North Carolina. I was ex- I was in the Marines, uh, in the barracks, is where I had my experience. Um, I want to say it was the Wednesday of that week that I was up 24 hours straight. So when I got off, 
I slept in until about 4 o'clock in the afternoon of the next day. So because the final day of that week was going to be Friday and I was only going to have to work for maybe four hours anyways, I decided I'm probably going to be up most of the night because I slept the entire day beforehand. Um, so I wasn't really concerned about sleep. I was actually worried that I wasn't going to be able to sleep um, because I was sleeping all day. So I went to, I turned off the Xbox and decided that I was probably going to try and go to bed around, I'd say it was one o'clock-ish. I was still feeling wide awake. My roommate, he was asleep for probably the last two or three hours. And I usually sleep with my back to the rest of the room. And I lay on my side so that I'm directly facing the wall in front of me. Um... I want to say about 30 minutes passed, and I immediately felt like something was not right. I don't know if I was... It, I want to say it almost felt like it was being watched, but it was like something else, like just a change in the atmosphere. Something was just totally off. And so I rolled back over, and I was wide awake at this point. I hadn't even had a chance to sleep. So I roll all the way over, and I start scanning the room. My roommate's asleep. And I'm panning right, and there's this little hallway that leads out to our main door where you can walk out to the main hall and the rest of the building. And my eyes stopped because I noticed that there was something. I didn't really, like, picture it yet. I couldn't see what I was looking at, but I knew something was not right in that specific location. And I want to say it was the microwave lights that gave it away because things were just dark. But there is one light over there, and that's the clock on the microwave, and I just couldn't even see it. I'm like, that's really weird. It's bizarre. And then that's when I saw the defined definition shape of a hat. And it was a fedora style. It was thin. It wasn't thick or bulky like a top or a cowboy hat. Um, and that's kind of when the fear set in. As soon as I saw that hat, I was, I want to say I was entranced, like hypnotized, like I didn't want to look away, but at the same time I was so scared that it, it was like a climax effect. It just kept getting worse and worse with every second that passed, and I could just feel my chest. I've never been scared enough that I could actually feel my heart. Like I know you see that in cartoons and everything where... Oh, people, yeah. you know, you, they can feel their hearts just beating out of their chest. I've never felt that until that specific moment. And so, and so you're in um, the. So you're at this point. How long have you been in the Marines? About three years. So you've probably done some stuff that's high intensity, and you know, probably on the edge of your seat a little bit, not knowing what's coming next. So, but you're pretty much prepared for anything that comes your way. Yes. It's not like you're like out of your mind crazy. I mean, of course, there is no preparation for a dark shadow figure in a fedora. No. Uh, not at all. But, but had you. There's no had, book on that one? There's no book. No, well, no you know, book I think. To, listen, other I think, than the Bible. Uh, other than I, I think it's. <laughs> I, think we're, I think this is right for a book. I'm not, you know, trying to horn in on the rights or anything. But <laughs> um, now, did you know. And so at this point, before we get to the rest of it, did you know. At this, anything that happened to your dad and your sister? 
had, had this now come out at all? Or? Um, I did. Uh, I'm actually kind of the uh, baby to all of this because of the fact that I'm actually the last one who ever had an encounter. Every one of my siblings, I knew about it. Um, you know, I never really heard the story firsthand, I don't think, from Megan herself. Um, I never heard Adam tell me his story until they did my dad's show. Um, but I had heard my dad's story, and I knew that they had seen it. But me, personally, I've never seen it before. I didn't think it was going to happen. I just thought, okay, you know, it skipped me. I'm good. Like, everyone else saw it, and that's okay. So you, so you weren't but, like, you weren't like hopeful. <laughs> you weren't like, man, I hope this happens. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Okay. It's okay. I mean, you can say we won't think any less of you if you say no. Absolutely, I was scared to death <laughs> hearing. That. I mean, you go ahead. No, I mean, but how, if I may add something, he's crazy enough to actually want to have a dogman experience. Uh yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, after hearing this is true. <laughs> well, I suppose I mean, I feel, if you feel like something physical, I'd be okay with, but something that's there, but I can't really tell if it's human or not. I, I don't know. That's where I draw the line. Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, totally off the topic a little bit, that the whole dogman thing, the more I hear about that, the more I think that skirts both, that has a foot in in the real world and a foot in the supernatural world, and I'm not sure that any training that you do did with the Marines is going to help you out on that one. Because I agree with that. I just, I don't know. That just seems like... Uh, it seems like a whole a whole different realm right there. The be, the best of both worlds, so yes. to speak, when it comes to a supernatural <laughs> entity. Holy yeah. smokes! And all I can say is, is that thank God it chased the judge back then, because now mm-hmm. he would probably just sit down and say, "Okay, do it." <laughs> yeah, the judge would. I don't think he's running anywhere now. <laughs> so, but so so Charles, so so you've realized there's somebody in the room with you, and it's not just your bunkmate there so what happens then um so as i'm progressively getting more and more scared i actually remember i i didn't really glance at him but obviously i just saw him so i knew he was still in the room with me and i knew he wasn't awake yet because he would have said something i'm actually sitting over here trying to scream his name i am trying to get my vocal cords to work and they're just not working. I can get any sound out at all. Um, so now I'm thinking, well, I'm screwed because I am to the point where I am so terrified that I can't, I can't even say his name above a whisper. Um, so I kind of lucked out because I actually had my phone laying on the bed in front of my face and it was plugged in and with my alarm ready to go for the morning. And I don't know if it was an alert or if it was a text, but my phone goes off. And because it was so bright in a dark room that I had been staring in for probably about 15 minutes, it blinded me. So it was more of a natural reflex. That went, as soon as that phone came on, I shut my own eyes. And that's when I came to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to open my eyes again. I'm, because I've already got him shut, why would I want to look? 
So I was kind of sitting there for maybe 10 minutes-ish. And even though I could still feel that it was there, um, I didn't feel like it left. I could still feel a heavy presence in the room with me. And I was trying to pray. I was saying prayers that I've been saying since I was a kid. And I couldn't even remember more than five words into them. Um, But, you know, the funny thing is, is that even though my eyes were closed, there was a second part of me, I don't know if it was a voice or like an inner thought, but something was telling me to open my eyes back up and to take another peek at this thing. That's and also that's the really voice weird. that's also the voice that tells you to go ahead and have another drink, go ahead and uh, <laughs> you know, spend spend that money, place that bet or the I mean, don't listen to that voice, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's bizarre. Like, I really wanted to stop looking at that point, but it was just something else that was compelling me. Like, I actually had to fight myself at one point not to open my eyes, and I don't know why that is. If it was my own curiosity or if it was this thing influencing me, I have no idea. But it just felt like I was having an internal battle. Um, so eventually this thing faded, like, you know, that feeling you get and it feels like someone has left the room or, you know, everything's just more clear air. That's the kind of feeling I got. And then after a little bit and I could finally move my toes, I could move the parts of my body that were paralyzed. I was like, okay, this is good. Um, I reached over. And I even still covered my eyes, so there was no chance that I could see into that corner of the room. And I looked just at my phone so that I could turn the flashlight on and wake up the rest of the room with my light. Um, So I was hesitant, but I finally walked over to the bathroom on the other side of the room. I turned the bathroom light on, went to my kitchen, turned the -the over-the-head sink kitchen light on, went back to my bed. And I can't remember if it was that night or the next morning that I texted uh, my dad. But I sat on the bed Indian style and pretty much stared down that hallway for the rest of the night. My buddy had to get up earlier than me, so he got up at 5 and he was giving me looks. And he's like, what are you doing? I was like, nothing. I'm just chilling. Now, now did you did you tell him at all? Does he know that this happened? or? Um... I told him about a year and a half later. I didn't even tell him off the get-go because I knew his reaction. I knew he was going to roll his eyes at me. He was going to laugh at me, which after I did tell him, he did just that. But I I didn't really want to be, you know, I didn't want to sound guy. <laughs> Yeah, you didn't want to yeah. be that guy. Well, but, I mean, I, when he rolls his... He's really, when he rolls his eyes, you follow up with, okay, then I won't bother to tell you what's under your bed then. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean yeah. it's easy for somebody to roll their eyes. When, uh, I mean, I would personally rather know. Like, okay, thanks for, thanks for cluing me in on the possibility of something, something being there. I, I mean, whether I, I thought like... you were crazy or not, I mean. Yeah. He, he just gives me that impression that he's one of the, and he's a really good buddy of mine, but he's just one of those people where if there's no proof that it actually happened or it exists, then he won't believe it. 
he's one of those guys. So he doesn't really have an open mind for any other possibility. But the funny thing I mean, is, is, I, the funny thing is, is the people that have really closed off minds that when they do finally see the light, it's kind of a blinding light. You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's to the point where, oh crap! I guess I should have believed a little bit more or paid a little more attention to stuff that I didn't necessarily know a lot about because uh, it seems like fate has a way or whoever has a way of of really uh, showing you what's out there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. If you, you you know, I mean, so, so then, so go ahead. So you tell your dad, what's he have to say? Welcome to the club. Um, Essentially, yeah. I mean, I, I think he called me in the morning. Um, I told him what had happened. And I honestly don't remember a whole lot of that conversation because my brain kind of fizzed out. Because, believe it or not, when he called me, the elevator in our building is really bad when it breaks more often than it works. And so I had to take the stairwell. And I kid you not, we had a power outage that morning that put the entire building into just complete darkness, and I had to walk down a stairwell to no get way. to work. Now, wait a second. Now, wait a second. Now, that is the beginning of a horror movie right there. Yes. <laughs> okay? I mean, talk about something needing energy and sucking the energy out of the whole building. And, then, oh. and being able to compel its victims to do things. Okay. Oh, man. I'm writing right now. I'm taking notes. <laughs> this is incredible. Oh, God. So you don't remember I mean, rule number one is don't shut up and don't go to the basement, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but nobody pays attention to that. We're also going to go out to the tool shed. Yeah, of course. The, or we're going to go out to the tool shed with all the sharp uh, sharp tools and stuff, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you, so that's your only experience, then, uh, the one that you had there uh, on the Army base, or M- Marine base. Yes, that is the only time I've ever seen it. Um, or had any experience similar to that. So now your dad tells me he doesn't think he could handle another experience. Uh, your, your sister says she doesn't want another experience because she's had enough. What, what do you think? I mean, are you more prepared if this happens than another time, or are you good with uh, just the one, one time? To be honest, I don't know if I personally will ever be fully prepared for another encounter. Uh, I feel like, I don't know, I would definitely be terrified to have another encounter. Um, But it's something that I definitely would not mind not ever seeing again, because I thought that it escaped me, seeing as my siblings and my dad have all seen it, and I had never seen it before. Here's the... uh, strange thing about that, the uh, little backstory on that, is the night before, uh, we had a new team member, uh, cameraman, join our paranormal research group, and we were hanging out in the backyard. It was a nice nice uh, October evening, and um, having a few drinks and talking about the paranormal, because he was all excited about it, and he asked me what was the most terrifying paranormal thing that's ever happened to me, and I proceeded to tell him about the hat man. And I added, I told him about Megan's experience. I told him about Adam's. I told him that Meg, or Emily was involved in Megan's experience. I said, but the only one of my kids 
who has never experienced the hat man is my son Charles. Now, the next morning I get that text and I call him and putting together the time that his experience with the hat man occurred shortly after I had that conversation with John Michael. And honestly, I don't think that was a coincidence. Within hours. Charles, did yeah. you then rescind any gift that you may have gotten your father for Father's Day? <laughs> because that is not a way to win the Father of the Year award right there. No, it's not. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Appreciate it. Hey, Charles, uh, I kind of feel the same way with, uh, with you. You can never be prepared with this thing because uh, it's already proven that it has some type of an influence over its victims and um, can communicate because it's communicated with your dad and as rare as that may be for this cryptid. And also, um, I mean, it's we don't know whether it's, uh, it's corporal or whether it's actually solid. And it's, it, yeah, mm -hmm. I, yeah, you know, it's just, you don't know what to do. I mean, I, I, well, I understand your trepidations. I, I can tell you it is solid because okay. it laid its hands on me. It pushed me down to bed and physically rolled me away from it so I could not look at it. So I, I do know it's solid. Okay. So re hearing that again, Charles, remember that. Remember that, Charles. He knows it could lay its hands on you. He still threw you under the bus by saying only he had that. Holy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Maybe he thought Charlie was the best prepared. He's got, you know, hand to hand combat skills. He doesn't consume with more than less of us. Who knows? Yeah, Charles. Char Thanks, Megan. Yeah, there you go. Hey, hey, Charles, I think before, before we hook you up with the dog man, you you got to take care of the hat man. This is true. What if what this now? What if true. you see the here? How about this? What if the dog man shows up wearing a fedora? <laughs> how about that? We got a problem. How about that? How about that? That's almost as bad as an Amish dog man. An Amish dog man. <laughs> yeah, the only thing that terrifies me or scares me in life is the Amish people and werewolves. So, yeah, for me, it would be an Amish dog man. An Amish dog man. You know, I could almost, you'd almost like see the buggy, wouldn't you? <laughs> like, or hear the horses? I mean, he... <laughs> oh. An Amish dog, man. An Amish I've never dog, thought man. of that concept. <laughs> no, but that is right for a sci-fi yeah, movie. The I mean, hat is... certainly would be different. Yes. <laughs> the, oh, the, the beard would be a little different, too. <laughs> I could see follow, following Sharknado 13 yeah. is Attack of the Amish Dogman. <laughs> or the Amish yeah. hat man he, they, he will build a barn for you in the day and then uh, steal your kids at night yeah. so. <laughs> um, okay well so so we got one left we got Adam yeah we got Adam we got Adam are you ready to tell your story we do All right. uh, yeah um, so this was like uh, years back I wish for the life of me, I can remember exactly what year, but it was either when I was in um, second or third grade, and I graduated in 2017, so it's been a hot second. Oh, my God, I can't, um, I can't believe you're so old. How could you remember anything? Yeah, I know, right? Oh, God, <laughs> I mean, I got shirts. Um, I got shirts older than you, man. Come on. <laughs> 
still, I don't know, I call it the curse of the family uh, memories. Hensley's have horrible memory. You can ask my dad. Um, but I did. He, for, I did. He uh, forgot to answer the question. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was in uh, school at the time, and I had this buddy who's my best friend, and we like spent pretty much almost every weekend either he was at my house or I was at his house. We were just like inseparable, always good pals. And um, we were at his house for the weekend, and we used to romp around in the basement because it, it was just, like, wide open, and it was just, like, there's a TV down there. We never had – the only thing we had to do was go upstairs for snacks. Like, we were all set. And um, we would hang out in the basement. And it was, like, one of those nights where there's, like, so dark, but you can see the shape of everything because just some things are slightly more black than other things. So you can kind of see the layout of the room, but it's still completely, like, dark. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that. Um, but that's essentially what this room was. I only, and, feel that, uh, I only feel that darkness when I go to work every day at the post office. But that's, mm-hmm. that's another <laughs> podcast. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, um, and so it was him and I, and we fell asleep on the futon that they had in the basement there. And I'm the exact opposite from Charles. I actually like sleeping with my face towards the entire room. I like being able to, like, wake up and immediately take in my surroundings and, like, just to kind of have that uh, awareness. And so I slept with, like, my back, like, there's a corner behind my head, and the rest of the room opened up right in front of me. And I woke up, and I cannot tell you, it was it was really late. I cannot remember what time it was. Um but instantly I knew something wasn't wrong or something wasn't right. I knew something was completely wrong because I couldn't move at all. I, now, I didn't see anything at this point. It's not like I, I looked at this thing and then I was like, oh, crap, I can't move. I just couldn't move. And I kept trying to think, like, say something. It's like, hey, buddy, or his, um, I'll just say his name was uh, Nathan. But I was just like, hey, Nathan, like, um, I was trying to be like, I, I, trying to get attention, trying to say anything. And the longer that I sat there, like, immobilized, the more fear I felt. And it was like an otherworldly terror. I can't, I can't explain to you. It felt primal, um, like, like, like something was doing this to me. And I look over, and we have the entire stretch of the room, and then on the right side corner is the doorway. And standing in this doorway is this figure. And it's extremely tall. It filled out to the ceilings, and it, it was a, a pretty deep basement. And um, it had a hat on. Now, mine didn't have, like, any eyes or any cloak or anything like that, but it distinctly had a hat. And it was tall, and it was thin, and it was so dark that the only reason I could make out this thing's shape is because it was darker than the rest of the room, which I was in a basement. There were no windows in this room. There was no way of light getting in. And, like, we had the lights completely off, no nightlight. So it was a dark room, but I could clearly make out this, 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 this figure that was at this doorway and it moved or, or I, I guess uh, glided is really the best word to describe it. It glided right from the doorway over to the side of my futon and it felt like it took probably three seconds. It probably was longer than that, but it moved fast. It, it like almost was like at the door and then like glid over in like a very smooth motion. Uh, to the side of the bed, the side that I was on the outside of, so it was right next to me. And I, I remember just laying there and looking up at this thing and not being able to move at all. I'm, I'm getting goosebumps just talking to you about it right now. Um, but 
it leaned over very slowly, like just from the waist. Its body didn't move, and from the waist, it just kind of like leaned right over the futon, and it was to the point where its head was over my head, and it was just staring at me, and I couldn't move. And I felt like in eternity we were there before I heard my buddy say, hey, Adam, I think we should uh, pray. And as soon as it said, uh, as I heard him say that, this thing like lilted straight back up and was gone. It just disappeared. And it felt like this weight came off of my chest and I could breathe again and I could move again. And the moment it disappeared was the moment that I gained full control. And the crazy part of this whole story is if you ask my buddy about it, or at least back in the day, we don't talk much anymore. Um, but he was telling me that he was trying to get me awake the whole time, that he was elbowing me and saying my name and like pushing me and like trying to be like, Adam, Adam, we need to do something. Adam, what's up? And I never heard him. I was so focused on this, this entity and the creature that had this hat on that was just like staring at me that I, I, I didn't hear him. I couldn't react until I finally heard him the last time and then it was gone. Wow. So do you think your buddy actually saw it or was he just focused on you because you were no longer responsive? Oh, no, we both fell asleep. He saw it. Um, we actually like bolted up and flipped the lights on and we ran upstairs from the kitchen and we like, we got like our Capri Suns and we were sitting there and we were like, man, I don't know what happened, but did you just see that? And we told his parents uh, our next day, his dad, he was actually, uh, we were at his dad's at the time, and his dad was like, oh, you guys are making that up. Like, there's no way that actually happened. Like, get ready for the day. And so it felt a little, little weird that we couldn't really like explain that to anybody. But no, he saw it, for sure saw it, and told me about it. And we recounted the incident back and forth to each other. Um, it's just, I, I find that so strikingly weird how I was like completely paralyzed and he was still able to move and act. I, I want to know how many Capri Suns you had before you went to bed. <laughs> That's what I want to know. How, and now, now, uh, oh boy. So how, what, what did he describe seeing? I mean, did he describe it? Did he see it the same way you saw it? Uh, yeah, the exact same way. Tall uh, figure with a hat on that was just completely black, no discernible facial features, nothing. Um, it was kind of funny because his dad's a tall dude. Like his dad's a, a six foot four, I think. Like he's a he's a pretty tall man. And we thought it well, initially we thought it was his dad like trying to play a prank on us or trying to be funny when we were like trying to rationalize it to ourselves. And I was like, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. And so we were like, yeah, there's no way that could have happened, but. We like jokes for a while on that uh, Bill was the hat man. And so at that point in time, you knew nothing about, I mean, so, I mean, did every, had everybody shared their experiences? I mean, in the, in the time frame or the timeline of everybody seeing this entity, obviously Charles is the last one to go. When, when did you have your experience, Adam, compared to Megan? And had you already heard about this? Or You said you were pretty young, so they may not even have clued you in on what was going on. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I definitely heard about it and I knew about it because this was like actually right around the time that my dad started getting into the paranormal and starting like investing into like research and getting into the field. And so I definitely heard about the hat man. I heard my dad's experience. I heard my sister's experience, but I was so young that that felt like worlds away. That felt like, like entertainment, not reality. You know what I mean? It felt like, like those are ghost stories you tell around the campfire, not traumatic experiences somebody actually lived through. It wasn't like older until I realized that, or really it wasn't until I saw this thing that I was like, wow, this is, this is real. Now, did you... No, it, it really was thinking. Did you ever then dress up as the hat man for Halloween? Oh, absolutely not. I have no interest in bringing that <laughs> I hat wouldn't into have my life. I just want, I mean, that would have been, you might not have scared anybody else, but I got you to got a real reaction at home, wouldn't you? Like that would have been, holy oh. smokes. Yeah, it was it was quite an experience. So, so David, let me ask you. You uh-huh. guys have obviously lived. I mean, you've lived with this for a long time. You've done a lot of research on it. The straight. Okay, why the hat? Why does this thing wear a hat? Nobody knows. Honestly, nobody knows. Um, a lot of paranormal researchers they call and they'll describe the hat man, but they call them the shadow people. We, uh, I'm one of quite a few researchers who believe that there are distinct difference shadow people you tend to see like in hospitals or whatever those could be some form of human spirits ghost they're fleeting they don't stay in a peripheral vision and they don't i mean they stay in a peripheral vision they're fleeting uh they don't cause fear the hat man as i refer to it is completely different it is um the leading theory is that it's some type of interdimensional being now those that have had multiple experiences with this, um, many, and there's a lot of people out on the web that's had a lot more than even Megan, 
all of those uh, multiple accounts, people have tried crosses, holy water, religious artifacts do not seem to have an effect on this entity. Um, therefore, a lot of people regard it as an um, interdimensional being. It is interesting, though, that when you know Adam prayed, and, and uh, his friend Nathan said, Adam, will you pray with me, that it did leave at that point. However, um, again, many people say that nothing religious has any effect on it, therefore people don't think it's demonic. The one and only thing that seems to be a common thread that is a deterrent for this thing, well, there's two things. Although some people have claimed that it is visible in broad daylight and even when there's light, but many people that started using a light on that had multiple visits leave the light on at night no longer have any encounters. But it seems the most effective way to get rid of this entity from multiple visits is to lose your temper and yell at it. Like Megan did. Which is, yeah, and it's easier said than done. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, But it seems to be when you are, when you challenge it, when you actually, uh, and I, my theory is, is it realized then you break the fear. And if it's feeding on fear, and you're able to challenge it, it's not the energy it wants. It doesn't want anger, it wants fear. Right. And uh, so, you know, that's all we, you know, as far as anybody's guess is as good as the next, but that seems to be that, you know, from everything reading, the common threads, that leads me to believe that this is some type of entity that uh, feeds on emotion or fear. Now, have you, since you, you know, so this was your first episode on the, paranormal road you guys built right. basically your platform of a podcast and decided okay we're gonna just right out of the gate uh do this kick it off with how, yeah kick how, it off with that experience so how many people have reached out to you then on the you know maybe not want to be public and, and shared experiences about the hat man with you i've gotten two emails um that talk about this entity um and one of them is uh, you know i'll say her first name only uh is jen she's one of our followers she's actually been to a couple of our lectures for evp mediums uh she's uh um, she had an experience and it is uh, also linked with her as my daughter it was linked to a traumatic time in her life so um while we've only gotten two i will tell you this that uh, there was one time when we were doing a lecture in huron and when uh, one of our PowerPoint presentations, we talk about the different types of entity. Basically, initially, there are only two types of entities. There is the human entity and the non-human. Now, when you look at non-human, we break them down. Demonic uh, type of entity, a uh, wraith, and we go through the different types of non-human entities. And the last presentation on that grouping is the Hatman. And when I got to that grouping, and the slide came up and had a picture of of the hat man, and um, this woman in the audience, she gasped. She started crying hysterically. I mean, I stopped speaking, and everybody was looking at her, looking at me. She was fumbling around for her coat, her purse. She grabbed her purse, and she flew out of the room, um, the door, and that door right to the parking lot. Um, She got in her car and flew out of it. I mean, flew. Uh, stones were flying from the driveway, and everybody's looking around. I'm like, okay, I think we're going to take a break and resume the lecture here in 10 minutes. 
Um, and the only thing I can think of is she, to herself, had that experience, and she blocked it out and denied it and denied it and denied it. And then that lecture, she realized that it was the truth, and it freaked her out. Well, it makes you and wonder, I really wish she would have. Yeah, it makes you wonder but, why she was there in the first place, you know? like Right. Probably right. for validation, too. Well, obviously, she didn't want validation. She, she, yeah, took, well, she didn't know how to handle it. Yeah, that's, holy that's smoke. Like I mean, it yeah. sounds like... I mean, so she obviously had an experience. I mean, and it's, you hate to say that, but it's apparent that she had some sort of experience. You like to think right. she'd stick around and get try to ask questions and get help if there is. Right, I mean, and I felt bad. I really, really wanted to talk to her, and there was she was not having it. I mean, she was hysterical. I mean, really, she should not have been driving. She was so hysterical. And I kind of hoped that she would have emailed me, and I thought, okay, well, she'll email me the next day through our website that I'll hear from her. And I never did hear from her. Uh, so it's, it's, it's uh, well, that was a little she, bit uh, concerned. Maybe she will hear you talking about this and, uh, no, you know. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, yeah. maybe she'll, I mean, because if she's going to a lecture, then she's certainly, you know, listening to pod. To Seeking pod, something, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you know, she may be listening to, uh, to either you guys or us or and uh, figure out that you know she's not alone and she can reach out to you and get right. some help uh, she should right. not reach out to me because i will be of no help when it comes to that <laughs> uh, i can tell you that holy smokes so so how how long has it been since the last uh hat man sighting for you guys it's been charlie and it's been what three or four years right yeah, it was in the October time frame of 2017. Okay, so you guys are, ha, I mean, David, you've probably, ever since you've had this, what, God, how long has that been? 25 years ago? 30 years ago? Oh, yeah. 30 years 30, ago. 35, yeah. I mean, you still, every night, go to sleep wondering if you're going to get woke up by this or if you kind no. of... No, many years I never even, I don't even think about it. Um, when I have doing like your show here, uh, or even when we did our first show uh, on Paranormal Road, uh, because of what happened with Charlie, the night before I was talking about it, you know, I said the only one of my kids that's never uh, seen it is Charlie. And then we put it in the time frame, and it was shortly after I made that statement, it came to him in the barracks. So, uh, again, I don't think that was a message. Uh, I mean, I, I do think it was a message. I don't think it was coincidental. I almost think, like it's a hmm, let me correct that mistake. You know, um, that's how we kind of felt about it. Um, so, yeah, when I talk about it, um, and, and that actually does kind of tend to bring it to the demonic stage because it's well known that you do not even speak the name of a demon. If you know that name, you don't speak it, because if you speak it, it becomes aware that you are speaking its name. Wherever realm it is in, you, you just do not speak the names of demonic entities. And in this case, I was speaking about the hat man, and it triggered a response by it coming to visit uh, Charlie. So, um, yeah, every time we talk about it in depth like this, every time... I'll tell somebody, it's always in the back of my mind, and I'll be honest, I will have a little bit of difficulty going to sleep because I will be opening one eye quickly looking at the room to see if it's there. It takes me a little bit to go to sleep after having these discussions because because of with Charles, 
and and that particular incident, you know, it, it leads me to believe it's aware of our uh, of our existence. It's aware of everything we do, and that honestly, quite honestly, uh, scares the hell out of me. Well, in this regard, at least if you're listening, Hat Man, you know we all yeah. hold you in high regard, and none of us want you to come visit us tonight. <laughs> <laughs> except yeah. for, except yeah. for Jason. He's always open to new experience. <laughs> so, so, so you're talking. So, talking about the demon stuff, I guess that leads us into another um, kind of aspect of what it is you guys do in conjunction with the podcast. You get you want to you want to tell our listeners about that? Sure. Um, well, you know, again, at the time I was a director at uh, Cedar Point, so I didn't really talk or share about these things with only a, a few trusted people because I couldn't have people question my sanity. But years later, um, I uh, get uh, my own restaurant. I, I have my own business. And then uh, an employee that I hired to manage the restaurant, Randy, who's now on the Paranormal Road, uh, he has a paranormal experience in his home. And at that point, I'm like, wait a minute, I own my own business. Not to mention that I'm old as dirt now, and I don't care what people think about me. So, you know, it's like, cool, let's explore this. So uh, I think getting my first EVP, and I think it was, uh, Megan, you and Emily, I called first and said, oh, my God, your dad just got his first EVP, and I was so excited. But at Randy's house, I did get my first EVP. Uh, it was amazing to actually hear a voice. I know darn well wasn't there during the, rec- you know, doing the recording. And it kind of snowballed from there, and we eventually formed EVP mediums where we would get into paranormal investigations. Now, now, mind you, the only model we have um, is what you see on TV. Uh, So we kind of did that, but very, very quickly we broke and started doing our own thing, different than what other people you see on TV. We didn't, you know, dress in black from head to toe and 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 get all goth and we certainly don't go into investigations and say oh my god did you hear that are you no, saying that, you do not have you do not have a hearse transformed exactly. into ecto three nope. and then you can <laughs> exactly. back. i mean come on i'm kind of disappointed in that i have to admit that would yeah. be fantastic no no <laughs> <laughs> but uh we started uh we started out as EVP mediums because in the beginning, that's pretty much all I knew. Then we discovered ITC uh, communication and uh, was literally blown away when we started getting full sentences and, and in some cases, paragraphs uh, and, and intelligent response to us. So over the years, we evolved, um, and that's where we have our EVP mediums on YouTube. We have about 80 documented videos now, um, and it is really quite remarkable and when it getting my kids involved in the early stages is adam and you probably remember what i told him about fear what have i always preached adam about fear um the only uh fear is the absence of knowledge once you know how to uh what something is and once you understand it you can prepare for it exactly and that's what i've always said fear is correct Yep, fear is nothing more than the absence of knowledge. So I, I wanted them involved. And once Megan had that experience, I then started telling my kids. And then I started sharing my experience because I'm like, I don't want them to be unprepared. I want them to know about these things. They do exist. Um, and literally, that's kind of how Paranormal Road eventually began. 
uh, last year we decided, um, you know, let's try Paranormal Road. Let's talk about all things paranormal because there's people out there that are hurting. There's people out there that have these experiences or seeking knowledge and they want to know. And I know now, thank God, there's so many podcasts such as your show that addresses these type of things. And I found myself, I'll go from show to show to show to show on topics because I want to absorb as much, again, information as I can so I'm not afraid, you know, because it keeps me, again. And, and like I try to explain to people, I'm not afraid of sharks, but I'm not going to jump in a pool of a shark, you know. So yes, there exactly. is a difference. I'm not going to go out there looking for me. I'm not going to go out there looking for the dog man. For some reason, I'm not afraid of ghosts. I'm not, we've had now five, what we believe to be five demonic cases. I'm not really even afraid of them. I respect them highly as far as their power, and um, I am concerned about, um, I guess, retributions against me through my family. That does concern me. Uh, so if, if we feel a case is demonic, we won't even take it. Or once we get to, uh, to an investigation and we realize we're dealing with something non-human, we quickly back out and refer our clients to a demonologist uh, simply for the safety of our family. That sounds like a very uh, smart thing to do. Very wise. Now, yes. now you mentioned something. So, the was it the ITC? Yes. Okay. Instrumental Transcommunication. Do you want to explain that to our listeners? Who, uh, and, yeah. J and Jason, um, who may not know what that is. Yeah, EVP, let me start with EVP. EVP is electronic voice phenomena. It's uh, commonly referred to strictly as simply um, any type of audio recording. We get incredible EVPs that are often picked up through our audio mic on our video camera. Uh, but uh, you can pick anything that records sound, you can get an EVP. Basically, you ask a question, or you don't even have to do that. It's what you call um, interactive and inactive or passive recording. A passive recording is if, let's say, you're walking around with your um, digital recorder, but you're talking to your friend uh, about something, but you're holding that digital recorder. You're not even trying to communicate with the spirit, but when you play it back, you will get they talk to you, but you weren't even talking to them. That would be a passive recording. Interactive, of course, is when you're asking direct questions. So that's EVP. Right. ITC, or instrumental transcommunication, is when you're using computer algorithms or you're using what they call a spirit box or a ghost box, there's even video ITC where you will take a video camera, you will then turn it on to record, and you will point it at a screen, like a television screen or the computer screen, in which you are filming. So you're creating a loop, sort of like um, if you're in a barber chair and you see that loop as the barber spins you around to see the back of your head against the two mirrors. Right? So you see that tunnel effect. Well, when you do that with video, you can get ITC. You can pick up faces and voices. Um, and I actually have done that, and I did pick up a very, very incredible face. And you have to go by frame by frame. It's funny because when I showed that face to my mom and my aunt and my sister, all three of us said, oh, my God, that's Uncle Tom when he was young. And <laughs> all three of them said that, and I didn't even tell them. I said, who does this look like? That's, I think, the most I said. And it's really interesting because the audio in that, said Tom Forrider, and that was his name. 
So, so you, then I played so the you audio thought after it was, they fought. So you obviously thought it looked like him too, and then you just wanted to have yep. some ver- Okay. Now, right, now the whole video loop thing, is that something you discovered, or is that something somebody else did and you just... No, I read about it years earlier. I read about it years earlier that uh, it was an experiment. It actually was uh, a uh, paranormal uh, or parapsychologist group. I believe they were out of England, and they were the ones that first discovered it uh, by doing a feed through. And I think they discovered it. I want to say the early seventies. Why on earth would you um, and even at think? That time, why would you think of that? I mean, what? Like, I don't know enough well, about electronics to even. I mean, why would you think that that would be something you could catch? Well, here's the thing is, um, the creator of ITC, the spirit box, or what uh, in the the paranormal community, it's known as the Joe's box, because the gentleman's name was Joe that created it. What's the I stand for again in ITC? What's that? What's Uh, the I stand? Instrumental. Instrumental. Yeah, instrumental. Transcommunications. Correct. Okay. And um, the original guy who created the spirit box, uh, which at that time was called Joe's Box, he claims that he got the instructions for how to build this through spirit, through EVPs. So he was claiming that uh, spirits on the other side told him uh, how to do this. Now, interestingly, there's another method of ITC that can bring incredible results. And that's just taking an old-fashioned radio with the spin dial, like you, we used to have in our cars back in the 60s and 70s, where you, not the digital scan, but you spin the dial through the stations. Mm-hmm. If you take a, a radio and you sit down and you ask questions and you spin that through the station where you're getting a little, 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 little noise, mm-hmm. if you do a recording and play it back, you can get full sentences. Somehow, and the belief is, is that they... Um, Many will tell you that uh, with the ghost box, spirit box, one belief is that when you're scanning through the station, they're picking snippets of words. Like a DJ may say, welcome. He may be saying, welcome to KFI out of Detroit. Mm -hmm. But they will hear welcome. And then another person is saying, Jimmy Mac, you know, songs. It'll say, welcome, Jimmy. But it'll take those two pieces. That's one theory is that by scanning through the spirit is able to select each of those words uh, accordingly. I don't really subscribe to that by doing this uh, as much as what we have. It seems like when you're doing these in that method, scanning the radio bands, it's almost like the radio bands themselves, you're acting as a carrier wave, and those frequencies are bouncing enough that the energy of what they're trying to say is able to ride like a carrier wave on those frequencies. I know I'm getting kind of uh, way out there and technical. But when it comes to software programs, there's many out there for your your iPhones, and that's what we use. There's many out there, and these software developers, they don't even know how it works as far as how the spirits use it. They know how they designed it, and these software algorithms use uh, algorithmic random uh, bits and pieces of phonics that just randomly... Uh, shoot out there, and somehow they're able to use those phonics to form distinct and intelligent answers uh, when asking questions. Now, now, you guys have been doing this for quite a while, going out and doing investigations and getting EVPs and and Mm -hmm. everything. Would you, knowing what you know now, would you Mm -hmm. 
encourage somebody to download some of these apps or get the dial radio and start asking questions? <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, I like, yeah. like, what, what are yeah. they? What are these? What are you inviting in to? Here's here's that said a lot. Is that would be for me to say, do not do that, would be like the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, people, everybody has their different reasons for this. Mine, I was compelled to do this because of not because of the hat man, um, not because of that, um, because of the loss of my father at ten, and then the loss of my grandparents. It messed me up. I needed to know. I needed to know that life goes on. Uh, deep down inside. I, I needed to know that. Um, and so when I discovered uh, actually getting a, a communication with spirits, I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would ever communicate with my loved ones that passed on. I just thought for me it was fantastic because it's proof that something's going on. It's proofed that our existence, our energy survives death. And for me, that was so overwhelmingly um it charged me. It's like an adrenaline. I, I have to know more. I have to keep doing this. Um, and I think if you're doing it for the right reasons, I think that if you're solid and grounded in your faith, I don't think it's a problem. It has not been for me. Um, I think, though, if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, and I think if people do it like they see on TV, um, you know, there's one particular show, and I don't even have to say its name, but you get it. If you're out there like, you know, some kind of college frat boy and say, you want a piece of me, dude, and you go out there with that mentality, you're asking for trouble, you know, um, because it's a game and, and you're not respecting the spirits. You're going out there, you know, uh, more or less, oh, let's go to Mansfield Prison, Ooh, and you're doing all this kind of stuff. That's not respectful. That's why we, we typically will not go to Mansfield. We will not go to insane asylums. We already know that ghosts exist. What would be the point? That would be badgering them. The amount of uh, paranormal researchers that go in those places on a day-by-day, weekly basis, over and over and over, these spirits are literally going through their own personal hell. <laughs> to that's, have to you know, that's the same a, dumb questions yeah, every night. That's a good way to look at it, right there. That's yep. a good way to look at. Yeah. It. I mean, and and so you one leads to, uh, the guys that you're speaking of that challenge the uh, mm-hmm. challenge. Funny, we just had another episode where we talked about those guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, it makes you wonder if they really are doing anything anyway. Because if you know what I'm saying, are they really contacting anybody? Are they getting any right. kind of evidence? Maybe they don't even experience anything, and that's well. Megan and I can tell you from firsthand experience because um, the boys were too young at that point. Um, Megan, me, and Emily as well as Gary, uh, who's no longer with us. He was our spiritual advisor. He's no longer on our team. Um, I was going to say, uh, well, yeah, you and, said no longer with us. Yeah. I thought, is he coming through the yeah, spirit no, rock? No, he, he, no, he's no longer with our team. Okay. Um, but him and his son, Tucker, uh, and Randy, uh, we uh, actually did a pilot episode for Lifetime Television Network uh, called American Murder House. And we had a signed a five-year contract. They flew us up to Staten Island, New York. So, yeah, we were going to join the, you know, the ghost hunters, the ghost adventurers, the dead files, and on and on and on. And after that experience, that was, and I'm sure Megan will concur, three days of pure hell. Um, but we learned a lot. Um, and But as far as, um, unfortunately, there were bad lessons. And uh, 
reality TV is anything but real. It's anything but reality. It's all about, as we were told um, by a producer when um, I was ordered to say something, I said, I absolutely will not say that. And I was strictly reminded that I'm under contract and held to legal obligations. And I said, then sue me because I am not saying that. Um, we quickly realized that reality TV is anything but real. It's still it's digital, re- um, yeah, exactly, it's staged. Yeah, yes. yeah. So we muddled through that, and if you ever get a chance to see the show, <laughs> you will see that we are less enthusiastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we wanted to make certain that there was no nothing beyond that pilot. So. Oh, yeah. So, but uh, back, you know, back to what I was asking, can somebody mess around and... <sighs> Now, I don't want to talk too much about demonic spirits. Invite them in. But are demonic spirits, spirits, entities or whatever, just out hanging around looking for somebody to open the door for them to let them in? Or do they... Yes. So they're just like, yeah, let's, you know, smoking a cigarette on the sidewalk going, hmm, maybe they'll open the door. Or do they purposely target people? Here's, again, this is just from... We tell people this in, in our lectures. Um, anybody who claims to be an expert on this, you know, um, if they make that claim, be very cautious because there is no such thing. Um, this, this, this whole field is too big for anybody to wrap their heads around. All I can tell you is based upon 80-plus investigations as far as video, 100 in total uh, non-video with non-video included. We look for patterns, and when we give lectures – I'm very careful to say evidence suggest. Okay. Based on that and what I just said, it appears with many of our clients and we look at their hauntings and, and specifically the five, uh, now maybe six cases that we believe were non-human in nature. There were some common threads. All of these locations had some personal tra- trauma, some types, um, in some cases it may have been drug usage other cases that may have been sex addiction. Um, there does seem to be threads within our client base of this where, um, if anything, they're providing an open door for this entity to come in. So if there is a weakness, you're giving it an opportunity to come in. And now in the paranormal field, we've talked about heroin usage. And so when it comes down to drug addiction, the question is, it's kind of like the chicken or the egg. Um, does the demonic entity cause people to use heroin, therefore uh, bringing about the destruction of man, or does the use of heroin bring in the demonic entity? So it's one of those riddles. Um, But there does seem to be a correlation between uh, actions we take and our weakness as far as our faith that allow these to come in. And I don't mean... Okay, I go to church every day, so therefore I'm high in faith. I'm talking about the real faith, the deep connection to God, the deep connection to the belief of love. When you have that kind of faith, it is very difficult for these entities to manifest within your life. Yes, I agree with that. Um, I have a question uh, back uh, on the ITCs. We were, I had read something one time about white noise being used as a carrier wave for yes. uh, 
So have you used anything, or is that, that's basically a spirit box though, correct? No, white noise would be like um, uh, when you're doing EVPs. Okay. Uh, turning on a fan in the background. Um, one, another way is, is to turn on your faucet in the kitchen, let it come to a real thin dribble, uh, dribble and the sound of the water hitting the sink basin, especially if you have a stainless steel sink, uh, sink and it reverberates. Yes. And then I wouldn't stand right there and record, but go into the next room, but where you can still hear the dribbling and then turn on your recorder. Um, contrary to popular belief, silence is not the best way to get EVPs. Um, in fact, some of the most incredible EVPs we've gotten, we've gotten by just turning on the recorder and going about our business. You know, uh, whether you're making pizza, you know, turn on the recorder, set it on your kitchen counter and talk to your family. You know, be aware of what you're saying, be aware of your conversations and then stop and hit play. And then you'll hear voices that you know damn well none of you said or was not there. Um, you can, and I'm not saying it happens all the time, but in one particular case of that, uh, what we call passive, um, at the time with Randy's haunting in his house, it was almost like every weekend people were coming to witness this firsthand. And uh, so everybody was showing up at Randy's. Randy had to have wine to calm his nerves <laughs> simply because at that time it was new to him. So uh, it was new to all of us, but people would tell and they're, no, nah, I want to experience it. Come over and it all leave just mind blown. But one time we were in the kitchen and it was two of Randy's friends that were there and we we're having wine and standing, just standing around talking. So I turned on my phone and hit the record and set it off to the side. We're talking, when I played it back, Randy was telling them about his patio, his patio's red brick. And he was telling his friends that the patio out back was actually the brick that they tore up on Broadway in Lorraine. Uh, and they allowed residents to take the bricks if they needed them. So he was saying the whole patio was built out of these bricks. And in just out of nowhere, listening back to this recorder, the only way I can liken it is to like Betty Davis voice, like a, or a heavy smoking uh, woman. This voice comes out and says, we won't sit out there. I mean, and it sounds like a, again, heavy smoking moment. That, uh, it says, we won't sit out there. And see, we look, and my whole kids are the same way when they listen to EVP, ITC. It's not just listen, but listen to the meaning. And the fact that they said, we won't sit out there, means they can if they choose. It's not like the, you see the movie... Uh, you know, uh, what is that movie, uh, Beetlejuice, where they were confined to the house, and every time they opened yeah. it up, this sand demon came after them. You know, the words that they said is, we won't sit out there, which means right. they choose not to. Yeah, so every choice. time we do yeah. an investigation, yeah, we kind of listen to what they're saying to try to determine what's the hidden meaning in there. Which you yeah. say you saying that leads me to, to think something else. So, so number one, then, there's obviously one there's more than one spirit or entity at randy's house yes they're everywhere we've never gone to one place where there's only one entity okay so they're everywhere so in fact it's kind of rare to go to any place that has just two like there's a lot okay so do these guys or spirits do they so are they working together or is it like is it like in the real world where i'm gonna do my own thing and you go do your own thing, and you leave me alone, and I'll let, like, how do, do they form a team to, to scare From what we, no, well, in some cases, yes. From what we have, again, hypothesized based on sheer volume of our investigations, 
We've been at a one particular occasion where some in, some spirits seem to be from the 1920s, and they were completely oblivious of the spirits from the 1960s that were talking to us. Wow! So See, it, it seems like that's amazing. The, it depends on what era that they were trapped here, or they didn't go into the light. Um, we've also been. Uh, you know, we did do a couple of commercial properties. We did the, the Ghost of Lorraine Palace. We did um, an investigation at the Lorraine Lighthouse. I was shocked to find that there actually was a child at the lighthouse, because the lighthouse you have to take a boat to get out to. But we got a child spirit out there, and we got a woman spirit out there. Now, the woman kind of shocked me, too, but it didn't later when I found out the history that prostitutes used to be boated out there in the middle of the night under secrecy for the lighthouse people. So that didn't surprise me once learning that history of the lighthouse. Okay. So, um, is that the red? The is that still, the red lighthouse? Yeah, the red light. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. But, uh, I, I'm really on this morning, though. I'm just gonna let you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating what you what you do learn. Um, you know, again, you can only put the patterns and the pieces together and. What is amazing is when we actually do an investigation, we get stuff that makes absolutely no sense to us. We transcribe it, we present to the client, and then we find out that it's true, or the client knows it's true, or they do research and find out something's true. Um, that's my one. We had a case, uh, just very briefly, we had a case of a client that called. I at first thought she was going to, you know, it's with my inside voice, okay, she's kind of nuts, because she was talking about seeing a ghost bug or beetle beetle flying in front of her eyes when she's watching TV. And she said it's transparent, but it's a bug. And I kind of like, okay. So we went and did the investigation. During the ITC transcribe, I got very clearly several times uh, a EVP that said the doodle bug. And um, it sounded like at one point there was a train whistle, but it said the doodle bug. So on a whim, because I got the train whistle, I looked up Doodlebug, and I just put in Doodlebug, and I was blown away to find out that one of the most famous train wrecks was en route from Akron to Cleveland called the Doodlebug. Oh. And I'm like, could this be a connection? Well, only to find out through research, the engineer, now this was, um, this was not even in Akron or Cleveland. The engineer actually lived across the street from our client. Oh, so that is not a coincidence. There, and now sits a Wendy's. It now sits a Wendy's, but at the time, with plotting the land and going to the courthouse and getting records, the engineer of the Doodlebug, who survived, he jumped, but his life was destroyed because everybody accused them of being drunk, and they were not. It was the carbon dioxide fumes, uh, so they didn't uh, make the cutoff, uh, and it was a head-on collision. Many people died, but their careers, uh, their lives were never the same, and he ended up dying very unhappy. But he lived directly across from our, our clients. And, um, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that this entity was trying to communicate to our client who he was by taking the form in the shape of a bug that, flied, uh, that flew in front of her eyes. And then after the communication and getting the name due to a bug in, making connected dots, we did a prayer crossover and sent them into the light. Uh, to this day, our client, we keep, become wonderful friends with them. They've had no further experience in their home. 
Do you know how immediately frightened I was when you started talking about a, bu a ghost bug? <laughs> Can you imagine every bug that met a tragic end? Oh, if gosh. they became a ghost, <laughs> we'd just give yeah. up. They would outweigh We'd humanity. give up. We'd just give up. Yeah. So, so, so listening to some of the episodes of your podcast, Randy is a skeptic then when it comes to the cryptid side. But he yeah. obviously is not a skeptic when it came. so so he was he was experiencing this stuff in his house and that and uh, so I take it he probably was a complete skeptic period until he started experiencing stuff in his house and then right he kind of when it, when it came to ghosts he kind of dismissed it he thought okay that's my imagination he, like all of us do we rationalize stuff so um, he didn't even know he was a medium he had no clue that he was psychic medium until it kicked in the high gear after we formed EVP mediums he actually became a full-blown medium and he, we all thought we were going to have to have him committed uh, because he, he didn't know how to handle this sudden gift per se um, but then looking back on it with his sister he had this ability as a child he blocked it out he just didn't realize what it was then uh, but again he's not a skeptic to mediumship because He's experienced it firsthand. He's not a skeptic to ghosts. He's experienced them and de demonic activity. While he, he's skeptical and was skeptical of the Bigfoot until we started doing Paranormal Road. And then we went to a lot of these conventions and meeting people and, and even talked to the judge. Um, he keeps, he, in his words, says, I keep that skeptical side only to keep my sanity because it scares the shit out of me. You know, so well, after side that he just... You know, one doesn't want to face. After talking to the judge, the only thing I'd be skeptical of is the judicial system. It wouldn't be the yeah, yeah. The, you know, it'd be the just. Yeah. But uh, so before I get to segue into the next part, which is really, uh, I, I can't, you know, I want to hear this story. What when it comes to like the the ghost investigate, you know, the uh, spirit investigations, I think. The meat, like the holy grail of capturing uh, proof is like a picture or a video. You know, mm -hmm. I think there's so mm -hmm. much out there audio. What what kind of evidence do you guys, or do you even attempt to get much uh, photographic? We or video do not. Evidence? We do not actively attempt to get it, uh, simply because our main goal is to help our client and to help that spirit. So if we can get their story. <laughs> to understand why they're there then we can send them along their way so for us our main purpose is to communicate because that communication is essential to helping them heal and to helping them go home to god so we've never been big on visual as far as oh that's our main goal let's set up cameras and, and capture this however that being said we did set up static cams at uh, powerhouse gym in Illyria, and we did capture uh like a bottom half of an apparition walking on stairs we captured uh we're not big on the orbs 99.9 .9 of orbs are nothing more than fruit flies dust uh moisture however based on how they perform under video um if they make sudden turns drop change in size um we then have to kind of consider them they may be paranormal in nature so we did capture some suspicious orbs at the gym but when it comes to the holy grail of apparitions, that would have been the Pioneer Mill in Tiffin, Ohio. Okay. Um, when we, we, we were filming Randy and Joyce 
doing an ITC session in the main dining room. Um, my cousin stepped in as uh, to help out with camera. He never operated before, and I remember when I was reviewing the footage because I wasn't in any of it. Uh, Charles actually was involved in this one, um, but I was not filming any of it, uh, and I wasn't even in the room. But when I'm actually loaded it to analyze it uh, at home, this is days later, and I was I remember saying, "Oh man." Uh, Carl, because we were filming in daylight or in the just the light of the dining room. It was night, but the light of the dining room was on. And, like, everything was washed out green. And I remember thinking, you know, Carl, you should have turned, taken it out of night mode. That was, you know, we didn't need it. We weren't going in dark mode. We were filming with the lights on. So there's a green tint to this particular scene. But as I'm listening, and I'm just listening for transcribe, I see something move, and I saw so my I'm like, what the heck? And I look up in the background, I see, like, the shadow dart. So I back it up, and I'm watching the shadow. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if they left the windows open in the dining room. Because, again, I wasn't in that session. And then I see a shape take form. And it is a man, dark shadow, ball, like a rounded head. He wasn't wearing a hat, thank God. But oh, he peers out. he peers out, uh, out of a beam, like a, a support beam. He leans out of it, and you literally can see him turn and walk away and within seconds later a transparent white wisp smoky uh, maybe about the size of the child steps into frame along the rail of the riser of the dining room hangs out for almost a full 30 seconds and then steps out of frame it was and still is to this day the best visual evidence we've ever caught and we caught it by accident and honestly now I have to thank my cousin Carl because I think if he would not have, if he would have not had that camera in IR mode, infrared mode, I'm not sure we would have caught it. But wow! Um, wow. And having and Charles can attest. And having uh, dined, nobody walking in the risers. And having dined at the Pioneer Mill a couple times myself, I I can <laughs> see how that. I mean, that's kind of a cozy, you know, like play. I oh geez. Yeah. Well, you you really want to meet someone fantastic and, and hear a lot of stories. Next time you're dining there, ask for Lori, the manager there. Sure, sure, really fill you in on some of that incredible stuff that goes on there. Well, I had never heard that about the Pioneer Mill. I had never heard. Oh that. yeah, it's highly, highly active. And see, I think the difference is, though, is you guys know you're not out trying to prove that spirits and stuff exist. You guys know it. So you're just out right. there. Your whole purpose is uh, to go and help help people, not to exploit people and hope that they have right. a haunting, our, our, you know. We founded ourselves on, on three principles. Help our clients, help the spirits. That's equally as important. And three, educate the public. Again, knowledge, knowledge helps everybody. It could help comfort someone who just lost their father. It could help comfort someone who got news that they're terminally ill, if they realize that this is not the end, there is more to life ever after. I know just tell us, but, you know, being told something and witnessing or seeing something are two different matters. So that's why our third mission of educating the public is so important to us. No. But, yeah, we're not out there to do the you and I factor. Now, you know, you mentioned uh, to start with that, that – the driving one of the driving forces for you was for proof because of the right. you know your your dad and your uh, grandparents right. and stuff. So 
you know, were you able to ever get any confirmation oh, yeah. from them? And that's the, yeah, that's the bizarre thing is I wasn't looking for it. Um, I never even thought it possible. Uh, this is in the early stages. Uh, I, when I owned my restaurant then and, um, it was slow in the afternoon and every day I was again, so enthralled with doing EVPs. I was recording them hundreds a day. Any chance I got, I was turning it on passive, going back listening. Um, but so I stepped out for a smoke break. I was stepped out behind the, uh, service area. So there's no one around and I pay attention to, again to my surroundings when I'm doing recordings, but I sat on the bench and I hit the record. I go back in, looked on the cameras uh, to my restaurant. I'm like, oh, great, we got a, a crowd coming in. So I went straight to the sandwich board and I got back to it a little bit later, put it on my computer. And so I'm listening <laughs> and I hear this da 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 da. And it, just like that, I'm like, what the hell? I've never heard humming and nobody was humming out there. And then I saw on the camera that I had more customers and I, want, I need to go out and help my staff. So I did got back and I thought, let me run that through Audacity, uh, throw in a couple of filters. And then it became, be proud of yourself, my David. The only person ever to call me my David was my grandmother. And when I heard that, I busted out crying because I knew it was her. So I stuck my head out um, to the, the floor at that point and I said, I'm leaving for the day, so-and-so, you're in charge. And I left, and I got in my car, and I went straight to the cemetery. And I got out of my car, turned on the recorder, walked up to the tombstone where my grandparents were, and I'm just bawling like a baby. And I'm rubbing their tombstone and crying. And so I then pull myself together, and I leave, and I go back home uh, with my mom and aunt, and I put it on the, on the computer. And uh, wow. First of all, I played for them what I picked up at the store, and both my mom and aunt said, oh, my God, that's mom. And I said, yeah, it's grandma. And they were just dumbfounded. And I said, no, I just went to the cemetery before coming home. I said, I, I want to put this on and analyze it. You hear me get out of my car, uh, again, because I passed by, I just turned on the recorder. Um, as I'm walking across the gravel to their tombstones, you hear a female voice say, I told you he'd come, Daddy. My grandmother always called my grandfather Daddy. Uh, so also in that recording, you hear me crying over the, gra the gravestones, and I get yelled at. I get, Dave Hensley, your grandma isn't in the grave right there. And what she was telling me, stop crying. I'm right here. You know, I'm not, what you're crying is the body. It's not me. Oh. You know, so that, that did nothing but fuel me even more. And then... Went back to the cemetery, um, went to my father's grave, and again, he died when I was 10. And the recording I got there was, I don't, and again, full sentences, I don't know why you don't believe. Because I was still doubting this. I was thinking demonic, something's not right. Uh, I didn't, and I won't say something's not right. It just, it was too overwhelming. But he says, I don't know why you don't believe. Let's do this together, shall we, son? And then he says, think Ohio Turnpike. That's where my dad was killed. Holy moly. Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah. Got so, those shivers yeah. there going down your spine right there, that story. Oh, boy. But for me, I found it beautiful. For me, yeah. it changed everything about me, and it fueled me a hundred times old 
to pursue what I do. Um, because if I could bring that kind of closure, mm. if I could bring that help just to one family, then all the ridicule and the laughter and the jabbing from my brother or, you know, people who knew me then as uh, Mr., you know, uptight professional guy to what the hell's gone wrong with Dave? I don't <laughs> care. You know, plus I'm old now, so I don't care. I, my poor kids, you know, they had to deal with this probably, you know, ribbing from their friends. Oh, boy. Well, I'm going to tell you, that's one reason why I will not go to my father's grave. And uh, because he'd yell at me about something. And it wouldn't be as nice. It wouldn't be as nice and loving. It's like, it's like, oh. I you may be surprised. Uh, no, I don't think I would. Be. And if, if the judge, if the judge was here, he could confirm that statement. That, that I don't think my dad would be nearly as loving from the. Because I'm not sure which side he's on. <laughs> to be yeah. honest, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah. holy, I hope he didn't hear that. Um, so that leads me to. The uh, okay, so you told me a story the other night that um, that uh, that really piqued my interest about uh, some stuff going on at a campground that you guys that you guys uh, go to. Yeah. So I, I'd love to hear yeah. that. I think our <laughs> listeners would love to hear that too. Oh yeah. Well, see, this is one of the things that I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, concept of the secret to uh, what you think about you bring about uh, because a lot of people in paranormal uh, research who had experience will tell you the more they cure the more curiosity they have towards the subject matter the more things happen to them so it's like why why do some people have so many experience and some don't but um, so anyway we started paranormal road last year got into the cryptids uh, had a couple of really great shows on Bigfoot. And then we're out at the campground last summer uh, during our, our break because we don't report paranormal roads in summer months. But uh, so it's about 2 o'clock in the morning. It's about eight adults. We're all sitting around, you know, talking about kids and children. Sorry, Megan, Charles, and Adam. You know, we were talking about our kids. Um, but uh, out of nowhere, I mean, out of nowhere, out of the wood line comes this god-awful, horrific, scream uh and it's very difficult to describe it it was deep but yet it sounded like a woman being murdered it was it was unbelievable and it was so unbelievably terrifying loud from the woods that one of the the women that were there at the campsite she looked at me and her eyes got big and she said what the was that and everybody you could have heard a pin drop and one of the guys who's a trucker and he t he's a nose and nonsense guy he said, look at the hairs on my arm and another guy there, he's an avid hunter. He said, I, he said, I've hunted all my life. He said, that is nothing. I, I don't know what that could be. Um, so uh, the next morning, I'm searching, you know, I'm like, ah, out of curiosity, Bigfoot sounds. And I found it. I found exactly what all of us heard. So I sent it to all the adults, uh, audio file texting. Uh, then went in the camper and played it for Randy. And I said, Randy, listen to this. And he was doing dishes at the time or something. And he spun his head and he looked at me and his eyes got big. He goes, where'd you find that? That's it. Um, then uh, the next morning, uh, a woman who was not with us the night before, she was walking her dogs. I said, hey, Sue. And she goes, yeah. And I said, you got a minute? And she came over and I said, did you hear something strange last night around 2, 2.30? She looked dead at me, never hesitated. She said, oh, you mean the screaming? I said, yeah. 
And she said, yeah, I hear it all the time. She's the only one that uh, lived there Monday through Friday at, or Monday through Sunday. She's there all the time. She's not a weekender. And she goes, I hear it all the time. She says, I won't walk my dogs at night anymore. She said, it started about a month ago. And uh, I said, wow. I said, wow. And I said, I found it on the Internet. She goes, really? I said, I found a file. Listen. So I played it for her. She goes, yep, that's it. She says, it's not as loud as it is here, but that's it. And uh, I said, you want to know what it is? And she goes, what? And then I, I showed her the article. It's the 1973 Polyop Washington Bigfoot Scream. So it's out on the Internet. Anybody can look it up. But I, I sent it to all of the adults that were there without telling them what it was. And they said, that's it. Oh, my God, that's it. What is it? Then I sent them the link to the article, and they're just, it blew their minds. Um, and then, so I'm listening for it every night. Didn't hear it for weeks and weeks and weeks. Never heard the scream again. But it was in September. Uh, I got out on a Thursday night, so I was only a, uh, one of, like, four people that were out there. And it was a light drizzle, so I'm sitting underneath the canopy uh, on the furniture and having a glass of wine, just relaxing. And um, there was a thunderstorm, so I'm kind of watching the, uh, not expecting the hat man, but there's uh, a thunderstorm off to the south. Yeah, I'm no longer afraid of thunderstorms. I love them now, but uh, so I'm watching the thunder and, or lightning to the to the south, and um, I hear this crack come from the tree line, and I'm like, no, I'm thinking to myself, there's no way, and I'm like, come on, and there's this is just too unbelievable that we have all this Bigfoot stuff on the show. We hear a scream earlier, and now it's. Uh, a tree knock. So again, all you can hear is the rain on the canopy. I actually pull out my phone and I recorded it and captured it. And uh, again, uh, shortly, I think it's like 30, 30 seconds into the recording, you hear this whack. And again, it's coming out of the wood lines, uh, tree lines. There's no way it's people in there um, because that's a pr protective uh, reserve. There's no camping allowed there. It's part of a park property. Um, there's no hunting allowed in there. And then to find out that others in the campground have heard that cracking noise. And one of the farmers that lives on that same strip, um, he actually has horses. He's not a farmer. But he says he won't take his horses back there. And then his horse, he didn't tell us this. Someone else at the campground told us. He said, I won't ride back there, he said, anymore. He said, there's a Bigfoot in those woods. And he wouldn't say why he said that. Uh, so you have a local person that lives there that says that. And then interesting, uh, a person, uh, the owner of the campground, uh, she uh, manages the campground, but she's there all the time. And it was a, kind of a, a big joke to us that um, the uh, – at the campground that uh, the, the weird paranormal Bigfoot guys are there on the corner and the uh, the um, I'm losing track here anyway so she would say things to us like oh don't tell me that don't tell me that she put her hands up on her ears go la 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 it scares me but it's not real she's laughing it's not real it's not real says, Bigfoot doesn't uh, but then it's ironic she wouldn't go down there and mow in the tent area because that's uh, on the woodline area she won't go down there and mow by herself so, and uh, anyway, she was a big non-believer in all of this. We're here to find out in January, uh, we get a call from somebody at the campground and says, you're not going to believe this. Deb is driving through Kipton, and her granddaughter says, Grandma, what's that? And they look, 
and there is about an eight-foot-tall, hairy creature that steps across the bike path. And Deb actually stalled her so much that she spun the car down the side street trying to catch up to find it and look, but they didn't see it again. And I'm like, figure, somebody who doesn't even believe in it and believe in it, see it. Well, what did, what did, I, say, what did I say a little bit earlier about the people that don't have open minds sometimes right. get the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, and, and Tipton actually is one mile from our campground. So I'm... I'm a hundred percent convinced that Sasquatch or Bigfoots are in that area. Now, whether they migrate there seasonally, if they're always there, I don't know. Part of me says they're always there because our experience took place in the summer. Her, her sighting takes place in January. So they must dwell in that area year round. So, so when then is the first live podcast from the campground this summer going to take place? Uh, as as somebody goes out and investigates the woods and reports back. Actually, it that just may happen. Um, we have a, an investigator on Paranormal Road, Amy Boo. She's a professional investigator. Uh, Bigfoot, she's uh, been on several shows. She's really incredible. We just love her to death. She's bringing out a group of Bigfoot field researchers to camp out at the campground this summer, and they're talking about doing night investigations. So we actually may stream that live. That would be. I won't go. <laughs> well, I may go. I, uh, let me take that back. I'll go if there's enough of them. I'll go. There's no way in hell Randy will go. He'll ah. stay up around the fire with a bottle of wine. But ah. well, I will. in his words, he has to stay behind to help identify the bodies the next morning. <laughs> Somebody needs to tell the story, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I will exactly. offer up Jerry from our group to go along because he swears to us that if he comes across the Bigfoot, he's going to try to tackle it. Now, uh-huh. that, right. so I think he, I think he should go with you because I think you have enough wits about you that if he, if you see one and you know you're going to whip out the camera, you're going to get it on video of the first fatality on camera. Well, <laughs> wait a minute. I have one for you. I have one for you, Shane. Yeah. You have a camper. I'll tell you the date and you can come and join us and do a joint live, uh, podcast with uh, from the shadows hey look i know the guys in the i know the guys in the group would love to do that that would be outstanding as long as they know how to get the camper up there and park it because i'm not because <laughs> i'm gonna do it remotely yeah. i'm not gonna sit up there uh, I'm i'll let you know the date we're at the plan on doing it because uh, that could be really cool that would be that would be fantastic but uh well i'm gonna tell you what we'll, we'll wrap up here we've been talking forever um but I want to I want to encourage all of our listeners go check out David on Paranormal Road and Randy too. I guess Randy's you know he does a good job too. But go go check out go check out the podcast Paranormal Road. You want to tell everybody where they can uh, hear you guys at, and then if if somebody yeah. is interested in talking to you about maybe doing an investigation, um, yep. you know let everybody sure. know where they can find you. As far as Paranormal Road, you can find us on YouTube under EVP Medium's channel. Uh, so you have to go to EVP Medium's channel on YouTube, and uh, we have been, we just started posting Paranormal Road audio format on YouTube. You can also pick us up on podcast, uh, iTunes, Apple, 
Podbean, and now Google Play. So those are the three avenues in which we're on. We're also, you can hear it live, aired, uh, not live, but it airs on Odyssey One Internet Radio, Tuesday night at 8 p.m. and iHeartRadio. And as far as our video concerning the paranormal research that we put together, you can view um, our investigations by going to evpmediums.com. And there's a link that takes you directly to the YouTube channel that has them posted. And also by going to evpmediums.com, there is a contact form that if they are looking for a paranormal investigation, they need some help, they can get in touch with us by filling out that form. And we do uh, call them back uh, within 48 hours. Well, that's so. I, I, I do want to thank Adam and Charles and Megan for joining us today. Um, you guys are a brave, brave bunch for not only uh, making it through what you've experienced, but uh, I think Charles knowing that it was coming because nobody, everybody else had had the experience. Um, <laughs> you guys, my hat's off to you. And I do think if you want to go to the... Uh... You had to say hat, didn't you? Oh, jeez, jeez, jeez. I'd like to say that I didn't plan that. But, um, but I do think the whole, the whole uh, you know, if we buy you a bus, Partridge family style, and you guys could become the, uh, you know, show up for investigations and stuff, and that, that'd be fabulous. I don't know if any of you yeah, can carry a paranormal Partridge family. Yeah. I don't know if any, any of you can carry a tune or not, but that would be fantastic. But... Uh, no, that this was uh, it was awesome to get to talk to you, and you know, I, I think we can let everybody know that in a couple of weeks I'm going to be a guest on your podcast. So yep, two I'm, weeks from now, I'm very excited make about that. Make us proud, Jay. Make you guys proud. Make us proud after all the after all the disappointment that I. <laughs> uh, oh, jeez. So thanks again, David. Thanks again, Adam, Charles, Absolutely. Megan. Everybody, no everybody, go out. Check, yep, check this. Check out the Paranormal Road and uh, don't take a wrong turn on the Paranormal Road because you never know. Stay <laughs> on the beaten path. And do not, do not pick up the hat man if he's hitchhiking on the Paranormal Road. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, all right. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. All right, take care now. Right, thank all you right. very much. Right, Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time. Never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs>
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.